You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. And a special announcement by Wright Sulek. Hey guys, it's Wright. Um, you know, it's come to my attention uh, repeatedly that evidently I, I've said numerous times uh, that I, you know, say very vulgar things, uh, mainly directed to you, the fans. And uh, and I just want to say I, I apologize and I'm sorry. I don't mean it. It's... Uh, <laughs> It's what you normally call a, a joke, God um, but you know, I guess my, mainly our fans are fucking idiots that don't oh, get jokes. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna say something nice before this starts, okay? I'm say something nice. I'm like, oh, oh, okay, knowing, <laughs> knowing that there is no way. Look, it's actually, you going to. you let me. This is I your did. fault. I, uh, all on it. <laughs> I wanted to see how this play out. I was, I, I was like, I'm rubbernecking right now. <laughs> Hey, if also, if it's not like a, a, a parent to anyone, it's like, I love that I get to do this in the first place. And, uh, and having the, uh, the chance to, to see movies that I've never seen before or rewatch movies in a greater format, whatever it is, it, this is a fucking gift. Maybe and gifts, the uh, people at home are like, oh man, I thought this was a Golson episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh fuck right again. I'm like, this guy hates us. Look, I then I've had plenty of people at, at like at Fantastic Fest and just in life that's like, oh yeah, you you do digital noise, like ah, I do trash in the can too. Uh, <laughs> that oh and, that other show, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like oh, okay, redheaded um, step show, right? Right. <laughs> but the the fact that people even listen and uh, give me the time of day to talk about this is wonderful. So from the bottom of my heart, fuck you. <laughs> Because this is a mixed blessing doing this show. <laughs> there's a reason why there's been like 15 co-hosts yeah. in the history of this show. Hey because guys, it's, I, it is hard to keep up with. Hey, it's it, I, I am uh, in it to win it. And uh, look, again, it, it's like you take the good and the bad. Because take like, them all and there you have the facts. Because right? <laughs> <laughs> there are plenty of movies, and even in like this stack today, that are like, oh my god! I've always wanted to. I either I've always wanted to see it, or I've never heard of it, and I want to like, what is this? Yeah. And it kind of blows me away. And sometimes also the reverse. stop, yeah, <laughs> just stop it. I just like I can't. You just give me the good stuff, Chris. No, I cannot. <sighs> if I suffer, you suffer. <laughs> <laughs> I've asked repeatedly. It's like, look, who is John Golson? Do you know I've how, met him like five times. Do you know how much garbage I turned down because I'm like. Right is going to hate this, or I'm going to hate this, or somebody's going to hate it. There's no way I'm sitting through that. I mean, stuff that sometimes I even get sent. I'm just like, 
yeah, we're not watching that. Like I tell that's just like, I could probably get through it so, and have nice things to say about it. But everybody else, like whoever else it is, is going to be like, why are you making me watch this boring ass so movie? So what you're saying is the text that we normally watch is mercy. <laughs> so well, honestly, mercy from what we could have had. For me, I like everything we're reviewing this week. I like every single thing in the stack. Let me this see week. again. I... I would say so as well. I, I, I have, you already probably know uh, a few of my things uh, about it, but... You have mixed feelings about at least one of these, so... Well, a couple things. Um, it, it, you know, you know me. I I love uh, all types of people and all types <laughs> of movies. Uh, there is just a one specific genre that is kind of hard for me to take. Yeah. Now, granted, this one, like we'll get to it in a little bit, like, okay, well, there at least is a star in this that I love to death, and it carries it enough, but there's still some kind of meandering shit. Uh, we'll get to it. Well, so getting into it, as it were, not that particular movie, but the first movie we're going to talk about here is one that I've been reluctant to watch for years, because it's by John Borman. It's a film called The Emerald Forest. Uh, he originally put this film out in Didn't 1985. Uh, no, that's no, that's John, John Milius. Milius. Yeah, but he's done movies like Exorcist Two, The oh, Deliverance, uh, and uh, he did Deliverance. He yeah, did Point Blank, also a really good movie. Right, but he also, yep. like I said, did Exorcist Two, The Heretic, and he did the wildly overrated Excalibur, which is really fucking boring, like really boring. How do you not get King Arthur uh, movie that uh, boring? Digital noise, I've ever seen. But yeah. like he, he, I like Zardoz a lot. But it's not an exciting film. Uh-huh. I like it because it's just so fucking weird. It's uh-huh. like, this is a bad movie that I love. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, but I'm like, the Emerald Forest, nobody ever talks about this movie. It's probably not very good. And plus, his big star is Powers Booth. Hey. I mean, who's like, hey. not exactly a, a mega star. Okay. Powers, Powers Booth, no matter what movie he was in, he was always going to give it 150%. Yeah, like, he's always good, but he's just not a name. He never became a name. He was never a name. And... Watching this movie, I don't understand why. Honestly, this movie is now officially at right there with some of my other favorite Borman films that yeah. are out there. It's so good. It's and fucking fantastic. it was fantastic. not the movie at all I thought it was going to be. No, I, I remember you mentioned this to me. It's like, look, th- this is going to be kind of a, a different thing that you, you don't expect what's going to happen. I was like, okay. Yeah. And watching it, and then the ex, uh, act one break happens. Like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. And it's also based on a true story, which is a fucking... Well, but, well yeah. yeah, I get it. So they claimed, but it seems the maybe not. Well, yeah. whatever. I'd like to believe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just like Fargo. That's based on a true story, just right? Just like Mulder. Just like Mulder. <laughs> uh, you gotta believe, man. Um, but uh, <laughs> I love when Mulder and Skelly are both wrong. Those are my favorite episodes. <laughs> They're both so completely off the mark. <laughs> well, it's, it's always like House took that into effect later on where it's like house is like hospital X files where someone comes in and it's just like, Oh, my stomach is going to literally explode. And like, Oh, it must be, you know, COVID. And, uh, and then they diagnose like three more times. It's the same fucking thing. Every time he thinks it's one thing and he's like, Oh no, actually it's the spider alien. That's like impregnated you. No, I love the poster in his office saying, I want to believe. And then it's just lupus. (laughs) (laughs) You can't say lupus, okay? <laughs> anyway, uh, but this movie, uh, so Powers Booth uh, and his wife, I believe it was Meg Foster, uh, that girl with the most amazing eyes ever. Uh, she was uh, Evelyn, uh, Evelyn, or Evelyn in uh, Masters of the Universe. Uh, and she was in They Live. She was the the uh, uh, love interest-ish. Who? 
Meg Meg Foster. Who's They Live? They Live. They the, Live. The movie with Rowdy Roddy Piper. I've literally never seen it. Oh my god, it's a John Carpenter movie. You've I know, never seen? I know, I know, I know. I, I I've fuck? never seen it. I get it. I get it. I'm a bad anyway, person. I had a huge crush on her because of her eyes. You were just like her, her eyes, eyes are, are crazy, insane. You're like, oh my god, what is up? Are you alien? And and <laughs> that powers Booth's forehead though. Ooh. <laughs> but anyway, so he works for a company that is foresting in the Amazon jungle, which is already questionable, right? Like, not great. Um, I think they had a point. I mean, (laughs) it's not, it's generally considered not good. Well, look, they're trying to make it easier for people to get point A to point B. Well, they actually just need the trees. They're just taking the trees because it was cheaper there because the land didn't cost much. Well, good for them. It's called, you know, westernization. It's called toxic capitalism. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, he has a little boy with him. And one day the boy wanders off into the forest and he's abducted by... They're just like having a fucking picnic. Yeah. uh, Out like the the construction's happening like right in front of them. Right. And the boy who's like, like what? 10 feet into the woods. Yeah. 10 feet in the woods. He's like maybe eight yeah. or something like that. Something, or that. actually even, uh, I think even it might be like six yeah. or something like that. But yeah, indigenous. 10 feet. Yeah. Indigenous tribe members just grab him and take off. Yeah. And so then it's like years later, like many years Ten. later. And the father has just never given up looking for him. It's, but he's still working for the company. Yes. Now, okay. Can I, I, I want to say something about the acting choice and the the story choice because normally in movies that you've seen like this where the fact there was such a gigantic time jump from when the kid was kidnapped to where, where the rest of the movie which is like 10 years later yeah um you would normally see like the family is dissolved uh n- like you know he's an alcoholic right uh everything is just like you know their marriage on the rocks or they're divorced or yeah. whatever the situation is and then he has to go like pick her up from nakatomi tower and yeah yeah the exactly Christmas party so <laughs> this i i, I have <laughs> okay i'm gonna go on the limb here i want to say it's like wow i can't believe or i mean i i'm so filled with hope because they're not only did their relationship survive yeah and he is still working he is now a raging alcoholic his daughter, they had a, a girl with, her, uh, mm-hmm. with them too. She's grown up. The family is more or less stable. They're still there uh, doing the construction uh, yeah. in the Amazon. And he then, every chance he ta- er, has yeah. to uh, any free time, he goes out to look for his son. Yeah. And Which that's is his pastime. Insanely dangerous. Insanely like dangerous. Going to yeah. the, the jungles of the Amazon, where like white people have never stepped foot. Right. At, he and has like, to always have a guide or a anything like that. A bunch of different tribes out there that admit many of which have never even seen a white person, mm-hmm. uh, and some of which are incredibly dangerous. Right. Right. Uh, but you know, we see very early on that his son has grown up among the tribe and has been completely just become part of the tribe. He's yes. basically been adopted by the chief of the tribe, and he's like his heir apparent. Yeah. And he's kind of a little badass. He's seventeen years old, and he's is like he took to the shit and plus the chicks are like this blonde haired blue eyed warrior kid ain't too bad <laughs> well I, I i was i was floored by how adult and mature everything was taken yeah. rather than it being like um exploitative Not or campy yeah, it didn't feel that way at all it was all of it was so straightforward and uh like um the the son uh being ingrained in the tribe and then him like rising up the ranks and then him basically wanted to get married to one of the other uh uh yeah. tribe uh girls and uh 
it, it like, has a National Geographic special feel in the sense that, like, basically, it's everyone's nude. Everybody's naked. Yeah. They're walking around naked, and it's never used for prurient interest at all. No. It just becomes normalized so quick for watching it. And, you know? and, and, and it makes sense, too, because, like, in a normal, I would assume, Hollywood movie, they're like, well, we gotta cover up the boobs. Yeah, but not and this one. No. It's, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was I was actually kind of like, I was kind of clutching pearls, because, you know. Well, there's a point where you're like, a lot of these girls look really a lot younger Young. than, like. Well, <laughs> so I did some Wikipedia searching i was like oh okay they are underage oh really okay that i did not realize yes uh a few of them were or like they were young enough to where they they just thought like well i guess everyone else is naked why not and there um, there was also a point in time where that was if it wasn't for prurian interest and the parents were involved entirely in the situation it mm -hmm. wasn't considered to be a bad thing like famously uh book shields and i think pretty baby was the name of the movie she was like 16 or something that or uh, blue lagoon and well she was already aging at that point oh yeah yeah yeah. um anyway but yes so regardless they're all naked uh he's kind of a badass and the father and son end up re-encountering each other and so there's an issue that a the father wants just wants the son to come back and the son's like look i'm you know obviously i want to get to know you but at the same time i'm not going back i'm not going back this is my this is where i live the, the way that it handles uh the son uh and the father relationship kind of like destroyed me yeah. because it is this thing where the son because he was fucking five yeah uh when he was kidnapped um, the son only remembers him through dreams and he thinks that it's like his dream come to life. Right. And I was like, whoa, that's so cool for the story and heartbreaking because the father's like, no, I'm your goddamn dad. And like you feels for powers booth really trying to like convince him to come home. Yeah. And, and who also- doesn't understand immediately what's going on. And through the basically the the forwarding company being not good people, and then yeah. also there's a a bad tribe the, of the, these like cannibals and yeah. bad the uh, I forget what they're called like the the shadow people something it, like that because the good tribe are the invisible people uh, yes yeah, yeah the but invisible like, people and so then, yeah. the father gets sort of roped into all this and slowly it's kind of really a real realization of him both of like hey what we're doing over here is not good and also like there's nothing wrong with the choice his son has made. Right? Yeah. Cause it's, it's his choice to stay with the, the tribe and, and, and to ultimately lead it and to marry this girl. Like that's just who he is now. And man, it's, I mean, it's touching. It's very touching. But, but before we get carried away here sure. with describing this as like a father son drama, it's filled with action. There's a lot of really cool action in this. It's movie. awesome. <laughs> like I, I was reminded of Apocalypto the entire time. Hmm, okay. uh, uh, I mean, not, not to make with 100 less neo Nazi. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like it was. Uh, it uh, it reminded me of it mainly, obviously, because the the two rival uh, tribes uh, fighting each other. But the other thing is, is like the commitment to use using the uh the native language yeah and uh because like the the whole movie is primarily in their native language yes and it's all subtitled i was like fucking a thank christ because i i like that when movies do that because they're appreciating where it's coming from and they're also uh casting people who are i'm assuming uh that like ethnicity and uh, native to the the land as well it's like wow this is this movie is oddly ahead of its time 
And, you know, and then like a few years before some guy was getting fucked in the ass by, you know, a uh, hillbilly. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it was very interesting. And I loved like the, the, the set pieces and the, um, it's incredibly well shot. Yeah. It, all of it is, it, it's kind of a fabulous movie. It, yeah. Like it's so oddly underrated. I cannot believe I, this came the, out. I can't believe that people haven't been talking, put talking it up all these years. And I think it's, it's mainly because of the uh, the casting of Powers Booth because it's not like oh like like yeah. no one's going to the, the flocking to the theaters to see somewhere in my head when, every time I heard of this movie in my head I thought it was Harrison Ford was the lead character I don't know why and you know what like if they ever remade this now it's like all, the only person I could see doing it is um it, it would be interesting and it would be fun dancing oh man <laughs> that's well, well uh, get ready for the new episode of Trash in the Can soon I uh, um. Uh, no, I actually, I would love to see like Mark Ruffalo, uh, in it. Like it would be, cause he's such a good actor, but like him playing heartbreaking is just like too heartbreaking. Or oh, I agree. It's almost too much to take. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but great movie. I, I was, I was floored. I, I loved how it ended. The ending is just like such a gut punch and bittersweet. I loved how it ended. Yeah. I'm so glad it didn't cop out. Yeah. And, uh, may I point out as well that, uh, the, the actress, who played the the love interest for the son is the only Filipino woman ever to be on the cover of Playboy, <laughs> German Playboy, but still, she was of age. <laughs> she was of age, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, she actually went on to be like a a, a model actress in multiple other movies. Um, yeah, she's been in a she was in a bunch of stuff. So, um, yeah. Uh, this is solid as hell. It's not much of a release, unfortunately. I mean, it looks good, but there's just the trailer with it. But I think it's, like I said, it's one of those things, like, I don't think people realize... Audio, co- audio commentary by filmmaker oh, Edgar oh, you're right. Pablos I, I, I and was, film historian Nathaniel, Nathaniel I Thompson. The, I was looking at the older version, sorry. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so that was added, because this is a re-release from Kino, because lately they've been re-releasing a lot of their stuff they already put out, yeah. like where the, the transfer is basically exactly the same. They haven't done anything to change it, but sometimes they add a little bit extra. And one little extra tidbit, the son, the, the older son, played by fucking John Borman's son. Actual son? Actual wow. son. I didn't pick that up. And it's like, it, it like put him to the fucking test to do that. I was like, wow, that is incredible. It like, good, great movie. Yeah. Highly no, recommend. Really good. Our and that's next- it. Digital noise is done. <laughs> no, we have a lot of good stuff to talk about. Oh, we about. do, actually. Like our next one, I actually really enjoyed too. Uh, uh, Tokyo Pop, and it's one of those films that's been on my. If I ever find this movie, I want to fucking watch it because I'd heard about it for years. Yeah, and like I'm really, really curious about this movie. Mm-hmm. And this is directed by Fran Rubel Kuzu Kuzi. I don't know how you're, how you're saying that. But hold on, like let's when this get right came in out here. in 1988, uh, it showed at Cannes Film Festival and was a gigantic hit. And a lot of people, a lot of people say basically, um, uh, oh my god, what's the movie with Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray? Lost, Lost in translation. translation. Yeah, that that was like really influenced by this film, and I can totally see that. I, I totally see. She's that. best known for being the director of the movie of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> which was the basis for the television series. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, she she directed Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Carrie Hamilton? No. Where'd you get Carrie Hamilton, the director? Fran oh, Fran Rubel. Wait, Kuzumi? what? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't mean to derail this, but and I, she also uh, produced the film Orgasmo with Trey Parker and Matt Stone. What? Yeah, and distributed uh, South Park. Oh my Park gosh, she did Japan. do that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, the fuck. She worked with Keith Haring. She's like a really interesting lady, and she was also involved deeply in the reboot of Buffy into a television show. Anyway, but you can see that because there's a lot of cultural coolness in this movie. That oh sure. Follows this American girl, the now sadly passed uh, 
Carrie Hamilton, uh, who's like wants to. She's a musician, and she's just kind of tired of all the misogyny and just like people not taking girls seriously in rock. And yeah, she's gotten it into her head that everything's going to be different if she just goes to Tokyo. No, no, she she gets a postcard from her friend. It's like, hey, right. you should come to Tokyo. Right, right. But she's but she is going like, oh, it'll it'll be better there. I'll go there, and they'll like me. And to be fair, like to some extent, that is true because like if you're like. A blonde chick wandering around Japan, heads turn. Yeah, people, people are like, "Whoa, who that, is that?" That happens constantly, and she runs into I forget his name. Uh, j- a Japanese guy played by Yutaka Takato Koro. Oh, his name is uh, Hiro. That's right. Yeah, who actually is a vocalist for a Japanese rock band called Red Warriors, um, and he's in a band. They kind of have a. a sort of a not meet cute initially it's more sort of like she thinks one thing is going on he thinks another thing is going on uh but he's yeah he there's a lot of misogyny in in japan at least at this point anyway as well but he's willing to like learn learn yeah Yeah. and they just sort of form this friendship slash relationship that is really kind of invigorating and neat to watch play out i i i really love their relationship and they're both just very, very, very charming, especially yeah. her. Yeah. And, um, and to see their relationship kind of blossom into at first that, that, you know, awkward meet cute. And then, um, you know, assuming one thing and not the other and blah, blah, blah. And then forming into like a, a sexual relationship. I was like, wow. Like I, I love, I really loved how, um, delicate and sensitive it was going about, but still playful and fun where it wasn't boring. Yeah. And just like, oh, fish out of water doesn't understand, blah, blah, blah. And it like that is kind of like it moves forward because it doesn't, the story doesn't treat their characters like idiots. And uh, like he really is like, I just want to really be with you. And she's like, I really like you too. Like, I really want to be with you too. But like, I, they both still have passions to uh, or goals to be successful. Yeah. And, uh, and mainly her like goal to be successful is kind of like outshining him in a lot of ways, which really is like starting to drive like the, you know, bigger part of the story. Yeah. Or the B plot, whatever. And, uh, she's going to be a rock star if she has to come hell or high water. Everyone on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it, 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 again, kind of another like bittersweet, uh, like how it all ends up, uh, is, I, I really loved it. And I, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, normally when the credits happen, unless it's like a Marvel movie, you just like, all right, shut it off. This, there's a whole uh, song yeah. that she sings all throughout the credits. It's just and- about what happened. It's about, the plot, it's about the plot of the movie. Because I'm sorry. Excuse me. And it's fantastic. Yeah. <clears throat> no, it's. Um, so first off, like, and I've. You know, I've I've been to Tokyo, but I can't say that I had a like. Oh, I understand it totally. But from all reports, this is a considerably more realistic view of what it's actually like in Tokyo to you know involve yourself in the culture mm-hmm. and what the culture is really like than Lost in Translation was, which was sort of a I don't know idealized, Very affluent way yeah. of going about e- exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. This is sort of more street level. I mean, she she gets in there and she has literally no idea where to stay, and then she has to like kind of you know, haggle or con her way to stay at like some kind of like two bit hostel uh, (laughs) with a bunch of of other uh, uh, foreigners uh, from like, you know, England, Australia and America as well. And and she has to work at a hostess bar, which is a real thing. Like if you Mm -hmm. you read about hostess bars there, they vary from there's absolutely no sex of any kind in there. They're just basically women that are paid companions to hang out with rich Japanese businessmen and drink 
like whatever with them. Yeah. To ones where it's very clear they're prostitutes and they will go to bed with you afterwards. It right. depends on the place. <clears throat> um, she's at the the former. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's stuff like that. There's a Japanese love hotels, which really are that absurd and gaudy. Like right. they show them they're, they're just ridiculous <clears throat> and they really are that insanely ridiculous. Right, <laughs> right. And it, it's all very cute and uh and handled really well i i i love it like again like it's an extremely charming little movie and uh and man what's heartbreaking like you know when you watch some of these movies that you've won i either had never heard of before and like i'm really digging it of course i go down rabbit holes and just like i gotta know everything about everyone mm-hmm. in this movie and uh i didn't know she was carol barnett's daughter yeah and uh and she died of an overdose yeah and it was like it is tragic i talked about this with eric that uh i was like good god i wonder what kind of like powerhouse she could have been if she survived and lived on i was like wow she would have been really really great Um, and it's it's tragic she died at 38 yeah way too young yeah um uh, the core i think theme of this movie is really how uh, the juxtaposition of the japanese i like ideas of like obsession with Western culture mm-hmm. and complete disdain of Western culture that sort of collide where they're like yeah. all like everything they're doing is like, Oh man, Kentucky fried chicken is delicious. And I love Jimi Hendrix and Frank, Frank Sinatra. But at the same time, they're like, well, we, we can't have an American white person in the band. Well, you know? it's like, it's like uh, ha- having the cake and eat it too. And I was like, well, you can't do that. And I'm like, well, what if you're successful enough to do that? Or like, you're that talented enough to do it. And, um, which ultimately leads to the you know the end of the movie, but uh, I think it's just the trailer on here, right? Is that correct? Oh, uh, let me see. Um, there are subtitles. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. It's pretty bare bones. All right. So in that case, yes, another recommended coming yeah. out of Kino Lorber. There, uh, we're going to move on to Criterion's release of the uh, Jackie Chan right, set, Emergence of a Superstar. Now. I have seen more Jackie Chan films than most people I know. I've certainly um, seen a lot of films I would have recommended over a lot of the choices of what are in this set, even for the early days of Jackie Chan. Sure. Because when you're trying to put together a set that's like the defining when Jackie Chan turned from just a bit player to the star because he started using comedy, that was really the thing that mm-hmm. like instead of everybody just wanted him to be the new Bruce Lee. And he's like, it's not really me and the moment he started doing comedy everyone's like oh no do that right uh and so the faces so you've got like films that are essential with that like half a loaf of kung fu and spiritual kung fu are two of the big ones where like oh he was just coming out but there's no drunken master in this set like the first one not the second one because that was way later but like the first one i'm like this was right here and and decidedly the definitive jackie chan film for the early days and how he became the giant star. I've actually seen Drunken Master yeah. and Drunken Master 2. Yeah. And uh, I... Look. I love Drunken Master and Drunken Master 2. I, I, I love, I love those two movies too. Yeah. Um, you there's, know... There's nothing in the set as good as those two movies. No, not at all. Yeah, and, which is very unfortunate because... Like, there's just so many better Jackie Chan movies in this. And there's some bad choices in the set, too. Dude. But I did really like Half a Loaf of Kung Fu. But I, That's good. Uh, but I loved uh, uh, Spiritual Kung Fu, which is absurd. It's so ridiculous and over the top. Yes. The idea with, like, it's... he's, like, got these ghosts that are just a bunch of Japanese dudes wearing white, like, 
like a leotard, leotards and, with, and pink tutus, and pink tutus with white painted faces and, and they, crazy uh, wigs. Yeah, crazy wigs. Pink and wigs. None yeah. of them talk, but the idea is like they're ghosts that have been freed somehow that and they can train him on the five. Yeah, they're uh, teaching punch, him. Uh, yeah, they're teaching thing. him a forbidden or hidden form of kung fu, and you know, other than that, most of the plot is like follows what you've seen in a lot of the, the other seventies type kung Every fu movies. Other but movie, it's really funny because the ghosts actually help him fight. Like somebody's swinging back for a punch, and the ghosts like grab his arm, and so the actors have to do a thing like a ghost is grabbing their arm, and then they switch oh, to yeah. the guys actually grabbing the arm. Oh, yeah. I was like, that was fun. Uh, the fearless hyena is also pretty pretty fun. I liked um, that actually a little bit more. Okay, I, I like yeah. Uh, I don't remember any of it, but uh, <laughs> I, I remember liking that more. Now uh, uh, you the sequel. You told me about un- the sequel. Unwatchable. So okay, this well, is the first additional noise. Didn't watch it. No, it's because um, he told me not to. No, I told you not to, but, and for good reason. It's embarrassing that it's in the set. I can only assume it was like part of the pack, a package deal to to get the rights to it. Because the second one is really if you get one, you get two. Okay. No, it's like he his deal was running out with this company. I don't, I don't, I can't remember the specifics right now. But what it came down to, he's only actually filmed like maybe 10 minutes of footage for it. Uh. And then the rest of it, when he's in it, it's just scenes from largely one of the other movies in the set or some, some other Jackie Chan movie. They just took other Jackie Chan movies that they already own the rights to and inserted those scenes. And then it follows a bunch of other characters that you don't care about at all. Like, okay, it's, and the plot is nonsense. So you, you can easily skip that one for sure. Young master is okay. That's one of the ones people really like. It's another, it's a, uh, it's a solid, oh, it's a yeah. solid, but nothing special. Like I, I liked, I, I, I was okay. So I was actually liking things as it went along, mm-hmm. uh, or more and more uh, the, the movies, yeah. uh, I, I liked, uh, my lucky stars, uh, half a loaf of Kung Fu. Yeah. Uh, and then, you Which know, sadly getting, is the worst print. That's the one that there just wasn't a good print of it. So yeah. they did the best they could to fix it up. I mean, it, it was yeah. fine. Um, but then, yeah, Young Master, I got a lot more because it was at least a little different uh, than the other ones. It was like, but it, it's still, again, um, I mean, it was funny for sure. By the way, like the the, the physical comedy that uh, Jackie Chan commits to these and, and everyone in these movies is still just incredible. It's incredible. Oh, like, yeah. It is, it's There's so many great fantastic. set pieces. And you watch these evolve from just straight kung fu to being more what Chan is better known for, which yeah. is the big stunts and the big set pieces. Yeah. You know, they they slowly sort of evolve. And Young Master is one of the first ones where that becomes much more definitive a part of it. Right. And, um, then, and then you get the, My Lucky Stars. Which is not at all what I thought it was going to be. No. Uh, in fact, it's barely a Jackie Chan film. It's barely a Jackie Chan movie. So, okay. I, for the first, like, ten minutes, I was like, sign me up! Uh, like, this, it was like, one, not to dog on old, uh, like, Shaw Brothers or anything like that at all, but it was in, uh, what was the, uh, present day, and uh, I immediately started to dig it. I was like, okay, cool, I, I am not going to be uh, bored, and uh, I'm not bored watching these movies, it's more just like... It, you again, can be. It's okay to be bored. But, but, but also, it's like the a lot of the 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 martial arts movies. They follow the same like either five plots, and I'm just like, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. And so this one, I was like, oh, okay, we're we're in modern day. What's going on here? The thing is, uh, Jackie Chan uh, and his partner are following these two guys in this amusement park, and like immediately out of the gates, 
if they're like cops, I'm like, wow, they're the literally the best cops ever because they can scale fucking Ferris wheels and shit. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Chan. Oh, Chan. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, it's fucking nuts. I mean, his nickname is Muscles. His, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so, uh, it, throughout the whole scuffle, uh, his partner is kidnapped by the bad guys. And, uh, and then <laughs> the, the movie makes a very interesting choice. They say, you know what? How about, I know we have Jackie Chan in the movie. It's like, yeah. How about we don't like have him in it? Like, for, for the rest of, of the movie. I, well, so this is kind of a sequel. What well, is a sequel to a movie called Winners and Sinners that involved these five other characters who yeah. are just all low-level criminals and Jackie Chan also kind of in it. Well, um, Sumo Hung so, is in the and he directed yeah, this yeah. and he was like, "But I want to be the star." And I'm like, "Okay." Yeah. And it's it turns into a goofy sex comedy for the whole middle of the Dude, film. Dude, there is like a Tarantino-esque like basement inglorious bastards like scene that takes like 15 minutes of the same joke over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And it was like, good God, we fucking got it. Dude, the the whole thing with like, they're assigned like this policewoman to work with them and it's just them sexually harassing her. That, that's the same and, I'm talking about. And near raping her. Every oh, time. And, and scene after scene. And you're like, what the fuck is going on with this movie? And it, it doesn't, I, I didn't know that in, 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 uh, in China that a comedy comes in fives. Because uh, I've always heard it comes in threes, and so like with this, it's like okay, let's do it again, let's do it again, let's do it again, let's do it again, and let's try it again one more time, and then yeah. now it's funny. Dude, just wait. You haven't. I gave to John the inspector wears skirts, which also is one of those bookended by amazing scenes with their stars. But the the whole middle of that is just a really offensive police academy sex comedy, dude. Like, uh, <laughs> this. Uh, I, I was the first fifteen minutes was such a cock tease of a movie where I'm like, okay, I'm in. And the rest of it was like, wait, what? Uh, like it, cause it, there's barely any action in the movie. Now, granted when it does happen, it's badass. Oh yeah. No, the action scenes that are in here are yeah, like, it's great. Whoa, these are awesome. Like the, the scene when finally, uh, Jackie Chan comes back, uh, which is about like at least five hours in the movie. Yeah. Uh, he comes back and like, and you know, I remember when Samuel Hung and uh, Jackie Chan were in a little movie called uh, uh, Dragon something. Dragons Forever? Jack, or what was the movie where uh, Samuel Hung plays his brother? That's like a oh, little... Heart of... Uh, something. Heart, of a, Heart of Dragon. Yeah, that's a... Don't watch that movie. Well, well, hold on. We watch it on Digital Noise. And by the way, I highly recommend it because it is extremely offensive. Uh, it really is. And uh, so I was like, hey, we're, we're getting the team back together. But just only for like 20 minutes. And uh, when they fight together, and you always forget by Samuel Hung is like, God damn, he is so fucking good yeah. and fast and strong. You're like, it's almost like you can't believe what you're seeing with him because yeah. he's just, he's such a big, he's a fat guy and he's, he's just like incredibly fast. He, it, like, wow. Yeah. There, I remember there was this uh, one point when the, the, the female uh, cop and uh, uh, Jackie Chan were finishing off some other goons and Samuel Hung was like doing this, like almost like playful, like punch. And like the way that he's doing it is like, man, I cannot tell. It's like he, it looks like he's fucking punching that guy in the face. <laughs> like the way that they shoot it, or I guess he shot it, and how proficient he is in doing all of this is like he is a fucking master at all of this. Which yeah. that's the thing is that 
I learned, at least watching the few Samahong movies that I've seen now, uh, through all the stuff that you've uh, put forced me you to watch. For, yeah. put, I, I would say put me through. Okay, uh, fair enough. Uh, it's like you should he, see a counselor. Yeah. <laughs> him doing comedy is like, ah, stop it. Uh, just, I mean, it's better later. Like in the early days, it's like they just can't quite figure out how not to be fucking terribly offensive. But like as as the as it moves into the 90s, the, well, the, it the, becomes a lot less. The offensive stuff is just like, um, I don't really mind that as much because, you know, fuck everyone. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's he's so great at action. Yeah. Like, it's really fun to see this juxtaposition of a, a human being who, like, you know, it's like seeing a fucking Bob Odenkirk and nobody. Yeah. It's like, wait, what? Mr. Show? Yeah. And then him kicking ass? Yeah. And then seeing him do this where he, you know he is naturally talented at doing these things? It's like, I want more of that shit. It's like, because I don't know how to tell you this. You're not a great actor. And you're not a great, like, comedic actor at the same time. <laughs> hey, he, had a, he was the star of an American television show for years. Oh, that's right! Yeah, people always forget about that. I forgot! Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... You know, um, I was misled. <laughs> the movie was a, a, an incredible mislead. Yeah. Uh, and There's then, also a third movie in the series, Twinkle Twinkle Little Stars. And you know what? If you make me fucking watch that. Oh, I'm going to make you watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely happening. Hey, look, it, it is a it is a, uh, a cavalcade of crazy, weird Jackie Chan early movies that, you know, some good, some bad. Yeah. That has a, again, you're not going to be disappointed on like the martial artists, like artistry of it yeah. all. It's more interesting in in the sense of if you're already a Chan fan of watching right. how he sort of evolved his styles. But I really strongly feel that this last film didn't belong in the set. Like My Lucky Stars is not a Jackie Chan film. It, it, it's barely, it, it barely. He and I'm is like, Hannibal lecturing this shit. Why he is, is he barely in this movie? And certainly the whole thing screams. Well, these are the movies we could get for the lowest price. Uh, that's what it feels like. And I'm like, that's embarrassing, honestly, well, when when I feel like a lot, uh, like I, when Criterion put their last Jackie Chan set, which was the police story set, and right, yeah. didn't even have three in it. Right. It was like, they just put one and two, but not, which is inarguably the best one, three. Yeah. I'm like, what are y'all doing, man? Look, they, and now this feels also like we're just trying to save money. Well, that and also is like, I think they're trying to save money, but they're trying to give like the bi- biggest bang for their buck. It was where like, hey, this set has six movies. Look, it has six movies. Can't <laughs> no, argue with that. No, it's true. It comes and, in a booklet, is a yeah. bunch of bonus features on every disc, lots of interviews and And stuff. you know how many bonus features I watched? I'm going to guess none since you never watch the bonus features. Look. Yes. Yes, I know. I've met you. <laughs> I've, I've recorded oh, with you a few only, times. Only when I'm like, I'm really interested in like, yeah. I want to watch the uh, the audio commentary with Terry Gilliam just tearing t- everyone honest, apart I and 12 monkeys. Try and look on another site and say, is there anything here in the bonus features that's an essential watch? That's like, oh, it's so good. Then I'll go, great, I'm going to watch it. But I'm not going to... Dude, all the ones that have like, I'm glad that they're there. But like when it's like interview with the costume department, I'm like, I'm not going to watch 20 minute interview with the head of the costume department for a movie, no matter how good look, it is. Look, I'm going to be dead soon. There's no way I'm watching that shit. <laughs> and faster and faster, the more of these you have to watch, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just this accelerating is, like crazy. This is quickly killing me. <laughs> you know, normally I'm like, the last thing I need to see is another adaptation of a fairy tale that's been adapted a billion times. Right. There's a lot of examples of this that are just like, oh, the IP is free, so we can adapt it. Like uh, Winnie, Winnie the Pooh, uh, the Grinch, uh, Mickey Mouse. Well, the Grinch Willie. isn't free, but. Well, yeah. I mean, 
Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. That, that's not a, over 100 Mis- years Mr. Mean? But uh, you know what I mean, like Cinderella, Snow White, these things like, oh, it's like a version of that, or any Shakespeare even, like where it's yo, just sure. like, come on, guys, like, you, you, stop, re, just because you don't have to pay for the IP, but people recognize the IP, so they go see it. But Guillermo de Toro's dream project, since he was very young, was to make a version of Pinocchio. Uh, he's talked about it at length in mm-hmm. interviews over the years, and he... And 2022, we finally got to do it. Uh, co-directing with the sadly just passed Mark Gustafson. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. just passed away, who uh, also was the animation director for Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, my God. Another stop motion wow. film that's fantastic. But uh, 20, in 2022, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio became uh, the first streaming film to win an Oscar. For, for, best, for, for best, best picture. Yeah. Well, animated picture. Best yeah. animated picture. Uh, and it was well deserved, and a lot of people I know didn't go see it, didn't even watch it on Netflix, including you. You were like, "Oh, uh, I'm not going to see that movie well, for some it's, reason." It's not that I didn't want to get, not see it; I just didn't get around to it. Uh, yeah. And because here's one thing that I know about Guillermo del Toro, because I know him very well, uh, I met him. Um, he's <laughs> a great you guy. Look like look like him without a beard. Well, well hold on. <laughs> uh, there's a few people I know that look like him, and I'm not like that. Uh, but I I know. Now it definitely watching this is like okay, <laughs> I I I have to mentally prepare myself for Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, he he is he's gonna emotionally kick you in the balls and balls you didn't see coming. Yeah, and and that's the thing is that like I I know I have to be prepared because uh he is going to traumatize me in a lot of ways and still. Equally in, entertain me at the same time. Yeah, and he he's a he's a I love him as a director. I love his movies, all of them mainly. Um, and I I even, I, even I never peaks. Well, I have never seen it. Uh, I didn't care for that one. Well, I go into it like I'm really always excited, and this one because uh, that it was streaming. I was like, okay, well, I'll get to it whenever I can. Yeah, I and know that's, what that's like. And yeah. that's that's really what it was. And I think that was a mistake that, in maybe in the end, to like release it on Netflix initially. Yeah, I mean, it felt like it would have had better. It would have had just fine legs in the theater. I, oh yeah, I, they screened it for Austin Press in the theater, uh, but just for uh, I wouldn't know. Just for uh, Critics Association, folks. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't know. Yeah, you wouldn't because uh, <laughs> you're not good enough. Because <laughs> the fans fucking hate me. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> But I was so glad I got to see it in the theater because this is a drop dead gorgeous piece of animation. It's, it's just it's stupid good. It's stupid good. You're absolutely right. Uh, and it is not the Disney version of Pinocchio. It's no. certainly it's going to play along some familiar lines. But there's a lot of character fusing, like mixing different characters together from the original Pinocchio story. Yeah, and it's a lot darker for for uh, sure. Well, it's like I watch this and I want to fucking grab Tim Burton by the scruff of the neck and pull him. Here. Come here, come here. This is how you do this sort of thing. Well, Stop doing the bullshit it, you're doing. Well, it's <laughs> it's not like this is how you do it. It's like remember, remember, this is how you fucking do this and. I what, what I love is that they uh, what what Guillermo de, de, uh, del Toro does is that he places this in uh, 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 Italy yeah. uh, during uh, uh, Mussolini. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's very different well, I mean, uh, from not all... from Guillermo del Toro. It's not. Well, well, it's not. Uh, and <laughs> th- this is like a devil's backbone and pants laugh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a very uh, like um, spiritual sequel to those two movies, which yeah. I 
love to pieces. Absolutely. And uh, and so with this, is like, wow, is this just like his odd little trilogy that he was secretly it, trying to it make? Certainly took enough time to get back around to it. But yeah. yeah, it kind of feels like that in a way. Um, I mean, it, it, for how like ghosts and uh you know supernatural shit that happens in and each of them i'm like eh, kind of even though the supernatural stuff in here has a different tone it kind of reminds me more of something like neil gaiman would have done oh 100 uh, tilda swinton plays like the wood sprite and death who's wood sprite sister and all of the design for them and the way they're handled you're like this feels like it's right out it's of the sandman or something that in in uh the fawn in pan's labyrinth yeah yeah, yeah. um but what a great cast here. Ewan McGregor playing the, the Sebastian J. Cricket. Dude, like he, I, again, I didn't know. I was like, is this going to fucking tear me up in the yes, end? Yes, it will. And it will. And he, like everyone's voice performance. And like, again, it's, um, it's stop motion, uh, that is like, you know, <laughs> I think back to like, you know, 1993 when Nightmare Before Christmas and I was like, whoa. <laughs> and, uh, and then seeing this stuff now that's still like, in an odd way, kind of the same shit, but like, what if we put the camera inside the house? Yeah. And, uh, and like see everything that's going on and like everything's way more detailed. And it's just an updated level of that. And it's incredible, the animation, but like the voice acting is stupid. Yeah. It's crazy. David Bradley, great job playing Geppetto, who like is more known for playing villainous or at least an unlikable characters, but yeah. here he's just charming and great a uh, christoph it was supposed to be uh john hurt originally then he oh, died i didn't know that yeah christoph waltz plays count volpe who is uh, oh my god the, the, a con artist who first seduces pinocchio into the like coming out into the rest of the world uh, as i said tilda swinton as the sprites kate blanchett as is the monkey in, as the monkey which is bizarre uh ron perlman is in this uh, oh he's the uh fascist uh, fascist dude the yeah. father yeah the uh, finn wolfhard as uh, a son burn gorman is a priest john turturro is a doctor tim blake nelson as uh these black rabbits uh, skeletal rabbits who work for death uh and then tom kenny does a bunch of different voices because he's tom he kenny, does Mussolini. that's what he does yeah <laughs> but i, I really yeah. like Man. <laughs> the really good news is this is put out by criterion because they recognize quality when they see it and this is quality and deserves something that's like Man. the definitive edition and they put it out in 4k because it's such a gorgeous film you're going to want to see it and listen to it in 4k man uh, it's terrific and of course they filled it up with bonus features which and and this is the type of like shit that I love with that Criterion does. Yeah. That uh, I know that a lot of the other, uh, uh, there was an article so that we're kept... just coming off shitting on Criterion for well, last <laughs> <laughs> Well, th that's choices. The thing is, like, the Jackie Chan thing is like still jam packed and full of shit. Sure. Uh, but w what I love about these boutique uh, 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 shops that uh, are releasing films that, you know, deserve it. Some other more than others, uh, <laughs> and also other ones that like I love because I'm a psychopath, like Vinegar Syndrome and uh, sure. uh, Severin films, um, and Shout Factory. Uh, they they really take their time when like they really mean it. Uh, not only on just the the uh, the the like what is on the disc itself, but like in this particular case, which I, that's why I love Criterion. I think it's like the upper echelon of everything. Is it like, it's like a fucking pop-out book. Yeah. A pop-up book of like yeah. the, the DVD case. Like it's, it's, it's like interactive and shit. It's yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, it's a full booklet in there. Uh, there's I'm a keeping this. <laughs> no, you're not. Uh, there, <laughs> there's a documentary that came out originally in 2022, but was 
this is a longer version here that's 45 minutes long yeah there's a program with the two directors talking about stop motion direction uh eight rules of animation where the two of them as well talk about the eight rules they set for themselves with making this film uh guillermo guillermo de toro and farron smith nehemi uh who is a critic and she interviews him about his why he made this film why he loves pinocchio so much uh crafting pinocchio for moma uh, which is uh, a curator of the the Metropolitan uh, discusses the creation of the exhibit they made there, crafting Pio- Pinocchio about mm. about this. Uh, two Q and A sessions with uh, the with the creators of it. Uh, one of which is moderated by Neil Gaiman. The mm. other is moderated by James Cameron. Isn't that crazy? You know, look, that's how much respect this film got. Yeah, look, I, when when I love it when like a. a, a Older-ish filmmakers like you know uh, George Lucas and James Cameron and Spielberg and uh, I guess now Christopher Nolan. And they come that. out to a new thing and they go well, like mad respect. I yeah, be like part of they this. they love shit. They they love movies even yeah. if it's fucking Fast and Furious. Um, <laughs> but like when James Cameron loves you, you're just like, oh wow, dude. I just I was looking at pictures from uh, the the Saturn Awards. It was a big sci-fi oh, yeah. awards. Cameron was there. And he was like just hugging up on all the Star Trek Next Generation crew for the last season of Picard. There he was like, "Oh, I loved it so much," and he was taking pictures with all of them. He, I was like, "That's it, so that, cool." That's the thing. It's like you forget. It's like yeah, just because they're like Scorsese is making like one of the you know you know defining films of his later career. I was like, yeah, he's still like a geek. Yeah, like they're all fucking geeks. Anybody gets into this business on some level is a geek. It's with a the geek. exception of Michael Bay. The exception is Michael Bay. Oh, and, which uh, next up is Armageddon and the Rock on and Criterion. Zach thinks he's a geek, but he's really just a frat boy. He okay. He's a frat boy who somebody handed him at, when he was high. The Dark Knight Returns, and he was like, "I'm a geek now." <laughs> no, you're not. Stop. We we don't claim you. Isn't that really shitty? Is yeah. it like? It's like you know, I re- both of them. I was like, I want to like you. Yeah, because I know what you're trying to do. But you keep falling flat on your face, and it drives me fucking crazy because you have the technical prowess to do these things. Like you've drank your own Kool Aid, you've you've like become like I whatever I think must be right. Yeah, and I you know the best creators always have someone that they inherently trust to tell them listen to. Yeah, they're they're full shit. Right. You know, like Tarantino's best period was when he had that in his life. When his I think it was his editor where he was like, when she said it, I I would I would change it. Period. I trusted right. her implicitly. And his best films come out of that period. Right. You know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, she died. R.A.P. Sally Minke. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so we're gonna move on to appropriately the blu-ray release of the sandman the netflix series uh oh. that is the adaptation of the uh yeah you don't have a copy of it here uh, <laughs> it's like the, what are we talking about uh, uh, of the neil gaiman uh, beyond acclaimed comic book series perhaps the like next to dark knight returns and the watchmen probably the 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 other biggest it's like, like on par on par like yeah like, people were like yeah it was insane and this is really that that's the thing that got me back into comics because you know when you're a kid you buy comics at your local pharmacy whatever sure. whatever's there i was like oh superman spider-man whatever yeah but then i didn't read them for years because you know pussy and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so i wasn't reading comic comics and i wasn't getting pussy so what was i doing <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea but like i i was like Oh, I hadn't been to the comic book store for years, and there was a really cool one that also specialized in sort of like artifacts and like cool props from movies and shit uh-huh. in our town. It was like it was a neat place just to walk into, huh. and I was like, you know, I'm gonna go in there and check it out. And I look, and I think the it was the 
I want to say seventh issue. Uh, the one where basically the, the serial killer goes into a restaurant and controls the minds of everyone in it to make them all Dude, slowly kill, kill themselves. With, and I was like, this is one of the best things I've ever read. And it's scary and effective. And what the fuck is this comic book? And I just bought all the issues before it. And then I was just a regular buying comics again, especially the whole Vertigo era. I I now own all of the Sandman and the giant, the best edition you can get. The, the full on like leatherback. Yeah, the leather bound in a slipcase yeah. cover, like you know, I, because it's just that good. And I was more nervous than anyone about them adapting it into a live action or any, even if it had been animated, I would have been just as nervous. Sure, but going like this seems like a terrible idea. I don't think this is going to translate well to to film. I'm not sure why you're doing this. And it went through many incarnations of almost happening, yeah. including one that was going to be le- led by uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing the Sandman and being like that's the head right. creator I remember of that it. day. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Uh, which I'm also glad that never happened. I like Jojo Levy a lot, but come on, man. What were you thinking? It's just, uh, guys, uh, just <laughs> British. It's, you have to yeah. be British. Uh, but too much to my surprise, this Netflix series... I fucking delivered. It was great. Now, I uh, did not... I have yet to read the Sandman uh, uh, comic. And um, I... It's... So, I keep all the original paper trade paperbacks specifically for this reason. Yeah, I know. Because, uh, you, so, I can loan them to people who have right. not read them. <laughs> and it's funny because uh, I was uh, uh, I was brought on to it. Or I was, I was told about it after... I got into comics very, 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 very late in my life. And I must have been like fucking 25, 26 when I started actually reading comics. Because I was like, you know, you know, that's fucking stupid. And uh, and uh, and so... Yeah, you have feelings that make me laugh about this. It's like, you're just such a dork, just like me. Right. And right. you're just like, I'm going to get into the dorky well, thing. Well, like, it's like this, uh, this undeserved, like, uh, like... Uh, like upper, uh, like thinking of like, oh well, that's that's beneath me, kind yeah. of thing. It's like, what the fuck was I? Th- Cause there's things that I said when I was a kid. It was like, wow, I am fucking dumb as shit. I, I, I've been made fun of uh, numerous times by my good buddy Matt. Uh, he was always like, you remember when you told me we were like, um, must have been like twenty one, twenty two. It was like anyone's favorite movie, if it's not. If their favorite movie is not before 1970, they're fucking dumb. Why you wrong. said that? I think I, I'm pretty sure I said that because he put it in a feature film that he made and my character says it. And I was like, <laughs> and, and I didn't remember it. So I was like, who the fuck would say this? Like you, you did. You and I was like, uh oh, he's held on to that for all those years. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, because, uh, you know, I'm fucking dumb. But also it, the thing is, I learn. So when I finally read it Watchmen, it takes a while. It I takes it, <laughs> it takes a while. Uh, so when I finally read Watchmen and I understood what like what Sandman was and all, I didn't know comics can be like this. And then um, and it's I'm still kicking myself. You know, I read Preacher and all this other shit. Um, and you know, it, it, this is the one comic that I have yet to read that I, I feel oddly intimidated by oh it's yeah you it's worth being intimidated by it is uh not not because of the like the length of how much there there's is there's a lot there's there's yeah. a lot and i don't mind that it's more of a like wow there is going to be so much going on that i i know that i will ultimately love it right uh it's like you know i got like late in my life to like you know what i attribute it to and i think it's like a fair comparison actually is that 
I didn't really get into David Bowie until way later in my life. Okay. And uh, and I feel like it's like, it's akin to that. It was like the, the, how many albums yeah, at one he point has? they were actually talking about Bowie to play the Sandman. I, I unsurprisingly I, one of the earliest time not talks not about surprising this. at all. Yeah, which I would have killed to have seen uh, that, that just to amazing. see Bowie like doing the it would have been, been perfect for it. Anyway, yeah. um, uh, so the series is the, great. The reason this is intimidating for some people was partially, it's partially the length. I mean, it's not like ridiculously long. It's not like getting into like, I'm going to read every Spider-Man ever published. You know? Well, there's no, like, like the what, seven volumes, seven, eight, nine volumes, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, there are several more that have come out that are just like, sure. That are like short stories basically. Right. Um, and it does get pretty dense and it is very, very smart, like very smart. And there's stuff in here. Even I, go have trouble wrapping my head around parts of the story because like there's one in here where they do the tempest uh Mm. there's a lot of shakespeare illusion in here and shakespeare is actually a character in uh the sandman Mm. Uh, the idea being shakespeare was was just some guy who was like i can do that shit and and like you know whatever i you know and and gaiman uh sorry gaiman uh sandman's like oh uh let me go talk to that guy and clearly and made a deal in fact the comic first comic they did that was really where he was a primary character in it was called a midsummer's night's dream oh yeah and the idea being that in exchange for the sandman opening up his dreams and his ability to to write like the great stories let him uh basically said you have to write two p two plays for me and the first of them is a midsummer's night's dream much later in the series the tempest is the second one Mm. but so they're putting, they're like, why are we, all the actors are like, why are we doing this out in the middle of nowhere with no audience? And the audience comes out and they're all the actual people that are, the play is based on like Oberon and Titania and all oh, of them wow. and, and, yeah, Puck yeah. and all of them. And they're like, it's, it's phenomenal. And it won the world fantasy award and no comic had ever won the world fantasy award before. And boy, was that controversial <laughs> people. And I, this reminds me of you saying like, oh, I felt like I was too good for the comics. And it was yeah. really that it was like yeah. that point, like people hadn't yet realized Comics can be that level of good. And that's what I've learned. And then I I knew when um, this was finally being uh, made into a, a TV show, which was like, yes, for God's sakes, make it into a TV show. Don't make this into a, a movie, for fuck's sake. Um, yeah, it was absurd that they were ever considering doing just a movie. Well, it, it's it's like that with, you know, I, I know you're disdain for at least some of the Dark Tower, um, but like, you know, it's like, make this into a series. Like, what yeah. the fuck are you talking about? Like, no. just commit. And no, I, mean, I felt the same way when they made a Dark Tower movie. I'm like, I'm not the world's biggest fan of, the, I only read the first one. And I was like, I don't really like this. People yeah. keep telling me they get much better after that, but whatever. Yeah. I, I might read them someday. Right. I do love Stephen King, but, yeah. but I was like, it doesn't make any sense to me to make a movie of this when clearly this is a television show. And right. now that's actually happening and Mike Flanagan's involved. So I'm like, Thank oh, Christ. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> yeah. God exists and his name is Mike Flanagan. <laughs> Let's not get carried away. We're talking about Neil Gaiman here. <laughs> uh, Neil Gaiman though, when, when this is coming out, I was, I was genuinely excited because, uh, uh, one, I was like, oh, sweet. I get to watch the cliff notes of the Sandman and I get to see what um, one I've been missing and two, uh, I, I will be motivated at some point to really actually go into reading all the Sandman. And, and, and weirdly, it's like, it's I a- love the world building. Like, yeah. Neil, Ga- I've never read any Neil Gaiman. Not anything? Nothing. Oh, wow. He's written and a lot of good stuff. He, the way that he world builds through character which is i i think i'm trying to articulate this as much as i can because i haven't really seen this uh, with a lot of other uh, writers before but how he um 
he involves uh, previous lore of other things that we are familiar with and how <clears throat> his characters uh, like encompass that. I, I've never seen something like that before where uh, it, it's it's done so poignantly and it it drives the story still and because of the character's emotions. And and watching this uh, the TV show on Netflix, uh, I was floored by like every episode. Yeah, it's all good, and it ranges from just the darkest fucking horror you can imagine. Like the oh, thing I launched with, with right. talking about the one comic with the the guy in, in a restaurant who's making everyone murder themselves horribly, really deeply disturbing, but incredibly well made. Yeah, to like. One of my single favorite comics ever written, which is in this called uh, The Sound of Her Wings. Uh, See, I'm getting choked up just thinking about it, where death goes death, his sister. Because the idea is the endless. They're all Mm. like human human anthropomorphized representations of ideas. Like there's death, destiny, despair, desire. All the Ds. (laughs) Despair. Uh, But death is... The most charming version of death imaginable. She's a hot goth chick who's just like Mary Poppins. And she's just like delightful. She's like, everybody yeah. loves her because she's totally lovable. And as in that what you'd want, you know, do you want a Grim Reaper? Do you want a Charles Dickens death? Or do you want like hot goth girl coming over going, hey, you did good, kid. All right, let's see what's next. And yeah. that's who she is. And so this comic is Dream, the main character, the Sandman, going for a day, just following death around on her rounds. And it's heartbreaking and beautiful and just it's, like it's like listening to a perfect song yeah it really is um th- this is one of the few shows where um i i wish there were it, it like it tantalizes you with how fun and interesting and seductive each of these characters are Granted, from just like physical beauty, but and just you like, haven't even gotten into all the main characters yet. Yeah, There's I mean, more like to, I know, just like destruction it. is the or, or yeah. destruction. I don't think they've touched on delirium yet. Delirium, one of the ones that is like the lost brother. I, I yeah. Rhett, who is a gigantic fan, he yeah. told me all about the show. Destruction like, wow. probably wouldn't even come into like the third or fourth season. Four, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, and so like I, I'm deeply fascinated. It's, it's the same, same thing with like I I love like Dune so far. I was like yeah. I've I know a lot about. It. I've never read the book. It's like wow, this is fucking crazy. Yeah, and uh, but I love what it's what it's trying to say about mythology, and and with this too, and how it re- why it resonates with humanity, and why it resonates with humanity, and uh, and so like that particular episode with the uh, with death, um, just and Sandman is like it's so heartbreaking, and I and, can't believe they got it right because like I yeah. said, that comic was one of my favorite comics ever written, <coughs> and I was so nervous about it. I was just sure. like. Oh my god! If they fuck this one up, this is not going to work. And that was the first one I actually saw that we got an early release of that episode. Oh wow! And I was like, "Please, please, 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 don't fuck this up!" And I, I cried like a baby watching it. I, I, I can imagine. Like, <laughs> it's it's one. It's again. It's uh, one of those shows where um, I can feel the the love and care that the the makers of the show put into it. Oh yeah. Not only just to uh you know appeal to a general audience like me, but then to the fans who love and adore it and quite frankly just only to Neil Gaiman. It's like yeah. 
who we, was we listened and we and we read it and we understood it. Who was deeply involved with, right. the, with the process of the making of the show, as he should have been. I, one, have, yeah. I think one of the earlier projects, he wasn't even going to be involved. And you're like, <laughs> what are you doing? He probably would have given the Sandman a cape or something. Uh, right. You know, well, actually, he does have a cape, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's. Um, yeah, if, if you haven't watched this, and I forgot this was on uh, Blu-ray because I, I wasn't even it. Um, but I knew you had seen it, so. But I, I yeah. saw it front to back. I, I saw the two extra episodes as well. I, I could yeah, not wait. That was so nice of them because they released ten episodes. It's like a fucking surprise. And then, like with no like fanfare, the like I think it was like the week after it ended, they released an extra episode and two. So uh, yeah, yeah. And, well, it was, there were shorter it, episodes, were, so like thirty so certain one, minutes. I think it was like one episode with that was divided into two, wasn't it? No, no, no. I think it was like two extra little tidbits. Anyway, um, so in the comics, this is sort of the way it works as well, where they're telling the major storyline, and then there'll be like four or five issues that are just like single one-shot stories that are like from the world of other things that have happened that are just delightful. Just like, wow, this is great. And the one, The Dream of a Thousand Cats, which is one of those. That's great. It's just so good. That's like one of those, like, whenever I was trying to get, like, girls I dated into comics, that's what I would hand them. <laughs> I'd be like, read this. And they'd be like, you're trying to seduce so me, aren't good. you? Well, can I give you a head? Uh, <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you can. Um, Tom Sturridge, an actor I was totally unfamiliar with. Uh, I'd seen him in The Boat That Rocked, which is a really awesome movie if you've never seen it. Oh, movie. yeah. But... um. He plays uh, Morpheus, Dream, Sandman, and he's terrific in it. Uh, Boy- Boyd Holbrook is the Corinthian. Man. Who is like one of the creepiest like Boyd Holbrook creatures. is one of the most like underrated great actors that's out there right now. Like with uh, Scoot McNary and like all these other people. Oh, it's, yeah. like, it's like, what? You should be in fucking everything. You're so good at playing a bastard or a... Yeah. Uh, Super charismatic. And then you have David Thewlis as John D, who is the the killer, the, the killer I, as previously mentioned. I love Jenna Coleman playing Johanna Constantine. Uh, in the original comics, it's John Constantine. They switched it, so it's oh yeah, so it's yeah, jo- that's right. Johanna, yeah. who is a character in the comics as well. It's just they were like, oh, it seems to be more interesting, and it actually makes more sense for it to be her character uh, in the timeline the way they're doing it. It was like an occult detective. Um, Kirby Howell Baptiste plays Death, which is not like when they announced it, I was like, oh, I love her, but really, Death? Uh, and it works. She yeah. nails it. She's got that. Wasn't she in fucking uh, the last Jurassic World movie? She was like the sidekick for a second. She was in Barry. Uh, okay. And The Good Place. All right. And Killing Eve. All right. Yeah. And the fourth season of Veronica Mars. Are you sure she was not in Jurassic World Dominion? I don't know. Was she? I think she was like the. No, she was not. Oh. No. Sorry, you're thinking of someone else. Whoops. Yeah, that's all right. But anyway, she's got that weird mix of like, there's something about her that she she just feels like she's so suffused with joy that it's infectious. Mm -hmm. There's something about her that she she gets that across well. Um, But I did have minor problems with this. And Mm. one of which is, I think, Patton Oswalt, who plays Matthew the Raven, and I do love Patton Oswalt. I think he overplays the comedy aspect of it, and it's a little like it feels a little out of place. He's a little too wow, wisecracky, and you're like, okay, you know, I would agree. Yeah, and I love Patton. Yeah, he's Oswald. the best. I love him to pieces, and and I know he's a gigantic fan. He oh, was yeah. just like, Big oh my god, dog. I can't believe I'm doing I mean, this. Full credit, like, oh man, what an opportunity that must have been, like a dream come true. Yeah, but, like I feel bad saying it, but yeah, I, it's the writing. It's not his performance. It's uh, like, it's it's the writing, and I think that um, 
if if that was the writing or, or I don't know if anyone I was going to like picture as the the Raven was going to be Alec R- Alan Rickman. Yeah. Uh yeah, exactly. And then and I people get mad at me for saying this but I'm sorry. It's I have no problem with Lucifer being a woman playing Lucifer, but I don't think Gwendolyn Christie got it. I, I didn't. Oh, really? Yeah, I did not. I, I just felt like she didn't understand the assignment. I really didn't. And, oh, and that's interesting. I would disagree. I, I thought she was fantastic in this. I, I really didn't care for her in the role. And I like Gwendolyn Christie, but I just, there is a, I mean, admittedly, you know, as someone who really has read the comics like 30 times all the way through, I'm just like, there's a very specific idea in my head of who Lucifer is. And he's got this level of unbelievable attraction where you're just like, I, I just, he's just so charming. He's like the, oh. he's like, he's like a con man almost in the sense of like, well, it's you're like a that TV villain. show Lucifer. That, yeah. Like, that guy nailed that, it. Yeah. That, that guy, guy nailed, nailed it. it. Yeah, Although yeah. he, he too is not really that character from the comics, but the attitude is right. Like that mm-hmm. idea, like you're beautiful, but you're, you're not necessarily evil. Lucifer isn't evil in the Sandman. He's, he is the abused child who's still mad, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I get it. Uh, and a she is fine. Again, I just didn't think like she really got it. Okay. But um, yeah, overall, this is wonderful. It's well worth checking out. It's like not just checking out. It's well worth just fucking going all in and saying, yes, they finally, finally, I think like two weeks ago said, yes, we're doing a second season. Like, Jesus, what took so long? Yeah, it took, I mean, this this came out like, what, two years ago? Something like that? Yeah, something like that. But uh, yeah, it's gorgeous. It's really well done. Unfortunately, the set, uh, you know, it's three disc release in a hinge keep case with decent cover artwork, but it really only has two little EPKs that add up to about four minutes. And I'm I like, wouldn't know. really? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't have watched them anyway. Look, you're yes, right. I know. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on to the film that we uh, mentioned earlier that like right might have been a little mixed on. And I was not. Uh, is the Day of the Locust. Oh, I wasn't necessarily. I mean, da- uh, sorry. I, Day kind of the Locust. Yeah. Uh, um, I, uh, hmm. 1975 book that was based on a previous. Uh, sorry. It was a book, but it was a movie. Um, the, the book was like in the fucking 40s or 50s. Uh, 1939. Yeah. No, by 30s. Nathaniel yeah. Uh, and most everything in it really holds up for the seventies as well, even though it takes place in that time, but it's still reflecting on things in the, in, in uh, the modern day. Right. right. Uh, John Schlesinger directed it. uh, One of the British new wave directors uh, with its lead stars being uh, Karen Black and uh, William Atherton, who most people remember as dickless from ghostbusters mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yep. poor guy man can you imagine that's like all he's, he's been in a ton of big fucking movies and yeah. what he's remembered for is having no dick <laughs> this man has no dick and and, and die hard as and, well but, and die hard as well uh wait, wait he's in die hard yeah wait what is he what is he in die hard uh let's see he's not die hard He's in Die Hard. Oh, he's the uh, he's the uh, the 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 uh, newscaster. Uh, yes, and he's in Die Hard too as well. Oh, so. um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's the lead. Yeah, in this he movie. is the lead. And uh, for uh, for how the movie is trying to portray that Donald Sutherland is the lead because he does not show up until forty five minutes in. Yeah, and it's a uh, long movie. It it it's is one hundred and forty four minutes. It's it's a long ass movie. And like, uh, if you seen, have you seen Babylon? Yeah. yeah. Like, okay, well, this is like a prequel to Babylon. This is a prequel to Babylon. And if Damien Chazelle have, has not said openly, he's like, 
oh yeah, this is basically Day the Locust. I'm like, okay, come on, bro. I mean, they're different films for sure. They're but, different, but they're, but there's no way that this wasn't a gigantic influence on Babylon. Yeah, like I, it is the most anti Hollywood film that Hollywood has ever released, even more than Babylon. And and. I, <laughs> It's also, amazing it ever even got released at all. It really is because like I don't know what this movie was trying to do in the end because it felt like it was hate fucking me. And uh cuz uh, you know, we we reviewed Babylon when it came out and we we're all kind of like, "Oh, Babylon is one of those movies that like I admire a lot about this movie, but also I felt sickened and and just sickened like, upset and, and upset. like not really sure how to take it and I, I always said at some point, I'm going to come back and watch this again. I do, I'm too. Like, I can sit and just fucking, like, really focus on it, like, by myself and not have the first impression yeah. thing. Because I have a feeling I'm going to like it a lot better the second time. Right. But uh, it's still obnoxiously long. And uh, this is... I... One, I don't think it's a good movie. Um, I disagree. I, I don't think uh, it knew what it's it was doing. Um, I don't think that, uh, the, the, there's a lot of, I, I, it's all coming back because I saw this, like, I don't know, fucking three weeks ago. Um, digital noise. Fuck you. Uh, it's it's a very prescient film about the birth of a man named Wright Sulek and how much he sucks. (laughs) So, so I see why you didn't like it. Um, it's, I don't know if it understood its own tone, Hmm. uh, mainly from, um, the acting choices, uh, com- uh, accompanied by the music, accompanied by the way that it was shot, and um, because it, it it felt like it did not know if it was a, a a piercing drama on the subject matter itself, which is we'll get into in a minute, and then um, but then sometimes like it's funny, right? I and- think it's being very deliberately anachronistic for the purpose of keeping you all, like off your feet. And then I thought that. And then there were scenes where I was like, I don't know if you're committing to this 100%, to this acronistic way. Anachronistic. Anachronistic way of of conveying the story. And I didn't buy it. Uh, Okay. I thought it was was half-assed. And to be fair, critics were equally split when this came out. Yeah. Because there were critics who were giant defenders of this film, and there were critics who just despised it. We're just like angry at its very existence. But what it's about is lead actor Todd Hackett. He is an artist, recently graduated from Yale. Art director. Yeah. yeah. And he comes to Hollywood because he wants to work at a major film studio doing painting sets and stuff like that. He's renting an apartment in a crappy downtown apartment building uh, with a lot of weirdos who also live on the fringes of the industry. And one of there. these weirdos is Karen Black. Yeah. Who like, man, I've been falling into, I don't know what's going on, but suddenly like I keep getting sent a lot of Karen Black films. She's a weird fucking lady. Right? Okay. Okay. Can we, can we go down a 30 minute diatribe about Karen Black real quick? Because, um, I, or at least I do. <laughs> Cause okay. I'll say this and I don't mean to be mean. I don't get it. I don't get her. What I mean is, I don't think she's that great of an actress at all. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I think she's kind of um, abysmal. Wow. And I don't, I don't agree with that. I think she's a little weird looking. I mean, well, weird, weird looking. Yeah, sure. Uh, she, she has the lazy eye ish kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I don't, 
I man, she seems like the type of person like, man, you got lucky uh, for being in something for some reason, and I don't understand why. Dude, she had an enormous career. Like, enormous. I, I know. Yeah. And I don't fucking understand. Because I don't think... Weirdly, she, she didn't become a cult figure until House of a Thousand Corpses. Right. Where everyone was like, wow, she was in a lot. Wow, she was in a lot. Oh, my God. She was in, like, 50 horror films that sure. no one ever saw. Yeah. Uh, I think she is... Uh, especially and and in, in the way she oddly works in this film, uh, she oh, is hundred percent. Think she she, works in this she is uh, oddly off putting. Yeah, she is so she is an actress who thinks she's you know God's before to Marilyn Monroe. She thinks she's the the new Marilyn Monroe. She's or Jean Harlow or what have you. Mm. Like she thinks she's just like it's just a matter of time before she's discovered, and you can tell that's not true. Like yes. you just like I think that's partially why she was cast because there's something about her that's just off. Well, that, uh, he, the thing is, I read a lot about this a movie because it was, I was uh, in, extremely fascinated because of how much it was like this is fucking crazy. This movie because yeah. where it ends up going because uh, you're texting me about like oh wait until the last like thirty minutes because I was like God this is fucking kind of boring and the last thirty minutes is like you you think so. <laughs> and uh and like it's the movie is like yelling at me and um it gets kind of explosive for the last thing it really minutes. does <laughs> uh and so uh um but karen black though i i'm just like god i don't like you as a character you're not supposed to and and but uh, so there like, was a lot no of one is likable in this movie no, no one and, yeah. and so but with her that character specifically there are a lot of actresses they went after yeah and every one of them turned down no I and she was like the 15th choice kind i get of thing. it i get it i get it i, mean, I get it look it's a it is not a role that makes you look good it's not a glamorous role but like her father's played by burgess meredith who's this horrible fucking piece of shit ex-vaud vaudevillian guy is just Which, like really creepy again i think that that's where they fucked up on tone uh with his character yeah. uh because they were trying to make him really funny a lot of points and but then i thought he was supposed to be embarrassing not funny well, he was embarrassing but the movie didn't know how to do that I dis- sometimes i disagree i feel I, like they I were don't uh, anyway, there's like a dwarf who lives there, uh, who's like a huge like constantly. And everyone is girlfriend. racist as fuck. Yeah, I was the 30s in Hollywood. So what do you God damn. Uh, there's a boy whose mom is trying to turn him into a child star, but he's who's a played monster. by Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah, uh, he's a monster. Uh, there's it's just a terrible, terrible place. And uh, Todd, our lead character, is like really kind of lusting after after Karen Black's character. Okay, everyone say, in this movie. Yeah, is. Hold on. Bite your tongue. When you say kinda. Yeah, like hardcore. Hardcore because there are scenes where it's like, uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. There's a lot of like, as it goes along, it's kind of following all these different characters and it like swerves and will follow another character for a while. So it doesn't Donald like- Donald Sutherland just yeah, comes out of nowhere. Donald Sutherland comes out of nowhere as sort of a rich autistic guy who's like himself has also a thing for her. It's It, it swerves all over the place with all these characters ultimately to just sort of like almost have a- like a magnolia weird sort of thing at the end where it's just like yes. everything, all these stories collide you know, explosively. It, well, so that where uh, it also, I would say I would ask like Paul Thomas Anderson is like, did you watch this for Magnolia specifically? Uh, and maybe um, uh, whatever else. Uh, I don't fucking, I don't know. His later, mo- his later movies are not that great. Um, <laughs> But like with specifically with Magnolia, um, I know he referenced a lot of uh, Robert Downey Sr. movies mm-hmm. for um, uh, Magnolia and, and his other films. Um, but 
the the cockfights scene at the hour and fifty eight hour minute um part of the movie where uh for some reason all the characters that you've known ish are there and they end up all having like a cockfight outside or something like that and it's like you know (laughs) when you're desperately in love with someone and you haven't like said anything just yet and you're just like you know you're trying to play the cool and uh you're you're just kind of like you know, being super passive where the chick that is, uh, that you're trying to, in, uh, 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 seduce is just not getting it or also just not totally interested at all. Yeah. And then there was something fucking crazy problematic happening at the same time. Well, this is like the most triggering fucking thing for that type of person to watch because th- this scene is fucking crazy. Yeah. And, th- and then, the next like 20 minutes after that is like what the fuck fuck look i think this is a movie that i recommend watching because you're not going to believe it exists you're like sure. why have i never heard anyone talk more specifically about this well, film a reason and when you see how many movies i mean like we haven't mentioned maholland drive which is deeply influenced by this movie. oh sure like no question i mean but, but way even more than than uh uh the films we've already talked about like even more than babylon man Mall and Drive is deeply influenced by this movie. Uh, it's there's no other movie that's really like this, even with those films being deeply influenced, by and, it. and definitely in and, that era. And it might make you really angry or feel sick or whatever, but there's no question this is one of a kind film. It's, it's it's one of a kind. Like I, here's the thing: I don't I don't hate it at all. Yeah, I'm not trying to say that. It's like I didn't really um, care for it in the end because of the. Uh, Man, you you have to be in a very transgressive mood yeah. to watch this film. Like yeah. this is in a lot of ways where I think it it shadows uh uh Babylon where you 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 have to be on the terms like I I'm not supposed to like any of these characters. No, no there's not a single likable person in this film. Yeah. They make you think that the main character is maybe going to be your likable per- No, yeah. he is a real piece of shit as well. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's a tough watch. Yeah. And um and you have to be in a certain mood. I wasn't in that mood. Yeah. And I, I didn't know what to expect. I'd only heard that this was like a controversial film and I was like, okay, well, sure. I I'd prefer to know as little as possible sure, going yeah, into yeah. movies. So I just sat and watched it and I was like this is, I think it's pretty fucking incredible, but there's, I would not blame anyone for despising this or for being completely in love with it. You know, yeah, I can see and, both sides. And and I think I'm more uh, middling than anything yeah. else between the two where I, I don't despise it by any means uh, or stretch of the imagination is like, I just think that, um, I think the, uh, they didn't completely commit to a lot of the transgressionalism that they were wanting to do. Mm. Um, or at least the feeling that I got from it, from some of the choices, uh, like f- the filmmaking side and the the uh, uh, music side of it, and yeah. and and some of the acting choices too. Um, but there were definitely sides where I was like, okay, I I completely understand what they're trying to do here, and I'm digging it. It's just like fuck, like you're gonna take a fucking shower after this, and <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's just it's it's a fucked kind of movie, and it's 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 crazy. Because the way, the way, and and I I get the juxtaposition of like how it's filmed in a lot of ways, where it's very like wide uh, shots and uh, or just wide. Uh, you There's know, a big lot of frame. epic filmmaking look. E- to epic it. filmmaking yeah. look to it, 
And uh, so you're supposed to think it's like, oh, this is like a, you know, a big, like, if you put it in terms of today, like a big Steven Spielberg kind of movie. Like, no, <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's like Damon Giselle's Babylon in that sense. If you're looking for a comparison piece, that's it is probably yeah. it, with his intention for Babylon. That's the closest, like, it's the closest thing possible. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is Arrow put this out and it comes with the oral history audio commentary, uh, with interviews with a bunch of the people who worked on it. There's welcome to West Hollywood, which is an appreciation of the film by critic Glenn Kenny, uh, days of the golden age, which is the costume, a costume historian talking about all the costume designs here. Jeepers creepers. Where'd you get those peepers? Oh, now I want to just sing the rest oh, of the song. Oh, that's right. Jeepers creepers. No. Where'd you get those peepers? It just reminds me of Jeepers creepers, a uh, visual essay about the film. And there's radio spots and image galleries. And, uh, again, take a chance like especially if you loved babylon or if you love Mulholland drive this is a movie that you're going to be interested in at least oh totally i i would agree with that for 100 percent. and also again if you're into real challenging again transgressionalism films yeah watch it yeah for sure like i i i wish i liked it a lot more maybe if i ever watch it again i'll get something more out of it it's like you just you gotta be in a fucking mood to where you're like all right this is going to hate fuck me. Uh, it is. It's, it's, it's going to hate fuck, fuck you. you. Yeah. <laughs> aggressively. So, aggressively. Like on my fans. Uh, ready to have your ass blown out by <laughs> Day of the Locust. It's going to hurt. It's but just, you might discover a little bit of yourself. Yeah. You're like, no. hey, maybe I want to. All right. We're going to move on to something very different. Uh, the 1986 uh, buddy cop action film. Uh, running scared now there was another movie called running scared that's actually pretty good as well that starred uh paul walker paul walker yeah sh- surprisingly good film i remember it going is. to see the press screening of it and going like whatever man paul walker is not a great actor and then you're like wow that was really good yeah <laughs> but this is the one that has gregory hines and billy crystal on it and i this came out sort of in the wake of stuff like beverly hills cop yep which we're all like, yes, please, more of that. I want yep. more of that. And this is more of that. And there's no question that this is not like, this isn't like some standalone all-time classic of the genre, but it's pretty fucking good nonetheless. Okay, Chris. <laughs> so I watched this. So Eric and I, Eric Samaniego from Trash the Can, only on one of us on it. Um, he and I have these little odd dates uh, throughout the week. I know about your dates. Yeah. Um, we I, I cook him dinner. Uh <laughs> And we, we've we been on the stint of watching action movies okay. uh, that are supposed to be really good. Sure. Like, we watched the whole John Wick uh, franchise and then Equalizer, and we're like, and he's just like, holy shit, these are really good movies. Like, I, I, they are. I, I, they're great. And uh, and then um, every now and then we'll watch a digital noise movie because, like, hey, I have to watch this because there's yeah. a gun to my head. And uh, <laughs> Yes, that's how we do it. <laughs> and, uh, and so we also... Love Billy Crystal. Oh yeah, I love Billy and I love and I love Greg Unsu- Hines too. Unsurprising that that Eric would be a Billy Crystal fan because he loves all the old like Vegas comedian well, type thing. And- th- that and uh, you know n- nothing cracks up uh, cracks us up more than uh, a Sammy a good Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, he impression. Did the, he did the best one. Ever. It's like uh, like it's it's hysterical. So uh, I've always heard about this movie and uh, and so it was like oh shit I we can finally watch this. And I was like, let's just fucking check it out. So we watched this movie and we, I'm like watching this with him and we're like, this is too good for its own good. Because <laughs> it is yeah, so I fun. Would, I knew you would love it. I 
fucking loved this movie. Yeah. This I remember when it came out, seeing it, and I was like, "Oh man, this is." I right bet someday I someone, someone named Wright will love this movie. No. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but that was only because I had seen the Day of the Locust, which was all about you. So <laughs> um, uh, no, I like. I, I, I love how Day of the Locust is more me than Running Scared. <laughs> This didn't really perform very well in theaters. Yeah. Uh, it kind of disappeared and no it, one, it was one of those and no one shall ever speak of it again things. And I'm like, why? It didn't get bad reviews. No. Uh, it's a really solid, it's not a mismatch buddy cop comedy. Mm. It's a, these guys are best friends and I, they're just delightful together. Now the script is very run of the mill for the period, for the, the actual, for, for uh, the, not dialogue, but like for the story, the plot. For, for the story. Uh, I mean, it has a, a, a yeah okay it's yeah. it's a lot more linear linear than i thought it was going to be in the end because yeah. i thought it was gonna be a little twisty and turny but like, it never really they're, was they're both, for some they're set in chicago even though both of them are clearly playing new york cops well like, <laughs> yes uh that and uh, okay so I, I i really we really enjoyed the movie and then um because it's, it's all about these two guys are trying to uh infiltrate this uh this uh this drug deal uh or, or what they think is yeah. a drug deal, and then it turns into a, like a really bad, bad fucking like arms deal with Jimmy Smits is playing this bad guy that's like yeah, always so constantly getting away. The whole away. thing is a chase of for Jimmy Smits. Yeah, they just want to catch the guy. And then the movie is like, you know what? We need a break. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. It's the weirdest thing because both <laughs> Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines, they uh, it's it's like the fucking uh. It feels like uh, the end of a cop show where they're like, you know what? We've had our time. Let's get the fuck out of here. Let's retire and let's go to fucking Florida. Yeah. And uh, and they do that. And there's a good portion of the middle act that's just them fucking partying in Florida with nothing to do with anything else in the movie. Just them being delightful and funny and having the best time of their lives. Well, (laughs) it's like it's 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 Montage City where they're doing the whole like uh the, any like you know big tit like uh, 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 a <coughs> bikini chick uh, yeah. skating down the boardwalk in Florida, uh, <laughs> and they do the whole thing like flipping up the sunglasses, kind of like yeah. whoa, yeah. and uh, and they they want to buy a bar, and they and what he, here's the thing, this is why this movie works so well is their friendship is so palatable uh, that it was like of course that they would do these things. And the movie is like, well, why wouldn't we want to see them have fun in Florida for 20 minutes? And yeah. like, well, movie, you have a fucking point. Yeah. Good and point, movie. It good, didn't make any sense on paper. I it, don't know how it even went there. Yeah. But. And it, it's it, like, it works in a way. And uh, when they come back, it raises the stakes because they do come back to Chicago. Like, we're fucking done. We don't want to do this anymore. And of course, uh, Dan Hedaya is just like, yeah, but uh, uh, like there's yeah, their this boss, guy, yeah. their boss, uh, the chief is like, yeah, well, okay, fuck you guys, and then we're gonna let um, uh, John Freeze, uh, <laughs> Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite, and um, uh, the brother of uh, Scarface, um, yeah. um, take over your jobs, and they're like, whoa, 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 well, whoa, those whoa, guys whoa. suck yeah. because I those guys suck, and I I do love how it wraps around a little bit, yeah, um, but um. Man, it turns into a fucking, like, just... The the last, like, 45 minutes is so delightful, like, action, thriller, and still comedy at the same time. And 
Also, I know we've been talking about like you can't tell me that like you know Damien Chazelle, you didn't watch Day of the Locust or all these kind of was like you can't tell me Brett Ratner, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you did not watch this movie because <laughs> like the last like twenty minutes is like this is straight out of fucking Rush Hour, <laughs> right? And uh, it's it's just these two guys are so likable together that I'm shocked they never paired them together in anything else after this. It's, it's crazy. It's like how this did not become a fucking franchise. Why, why this was not immediately a hit and people didn't still talk about it more. It kind of baffles me again. I don't, I'm not saying this is not as good as Beverly Hills cop or 48 hours or like, or midnight run. It's not, but it's really good. Nonetheless, it's super engaging. It's super fun. I, now here's the thing. I've seen Midnight Run. Really? I've not seen Forty Eight Hours. Wait, no, you, have, you and I've not seen Beverly Hills. Oh my god, they're both fucking amazing. I know. Wait, I know. are you saying by the, your face there that you didn't like Midnight Run? Oh no, 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 no. Oh, no. Okay. No, oh, sorry. I, what, what I mean by that is that like I, for, for comparison, because oh, okay. I understand that Forty Eight Hours and uh, Beverly Hills Cop are great movies, all timers, yeah. all timers. And then, since I haven't seen those movies, you don't have like, the basis. Of I don't have the basis of comparison. I was like, "Well, this is a fucking great movie." Yeah, <laughs> and so like, you obviously have things you need to watch. That yeah, because right? well, if you love this, you're gonna love those. Man. I, I bet I would, and because uh, <laughs> I love this kind of shit. Like I love like old buddy cop movies. Yeah, I, I just have an affinity for them so much. Even like you know adjacent kind of shit like the fugitive yeah. where it's like it, you're. It's not like Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones are like trying to figure out you know like who did it. And, uh, <laughs> no, they're on the opposite side. They're on the opposite sides, yeah. but it's like, yeah, but it's still kind of like you, you remember for some reason, Harrison Ford and John Donnelly Jones teaming up, even though they didn't. Um, but I love this kind of shit so much, especially when it is a comedian that's involved, which again, I know I would yeah, love yeah. 48 hours yeah. and, uh, there's, a reason, there's a reason why America was deeply in love with Eddie Murphy at that period right. of time, because that he had two massive, well, three massive hits in a row that are all unassailable trading places being the other one and golden child. I mean, that was a little later and it wasn't a massive hit. I do like Golden Child. Wait, what's, what's going on? Please give me the child. I love Golden Child. It's <laughs> I, I so lo- I weird. Love it too, but it's I, so fucking weird and bad. I, lo- uh, I love it too, but it's not a great movie. No, <laughs> no. It's, it's a fucking weird movie. Yeah. But like, this is a fantastic romp. Uh, if you want to see Billy Crystal's third movie that he was just in, not like, this is like his first, like, starring co-starring movie i think i don't know and uh yeah he was fucking young and it was a and shit. weird casting choice right yeah you're like who looked at the script and said billy crystal well that's because they thought of uh i think it was uh oh man it was like um gene hackman and some other older paul newman, paul newman. That, they were the original people they were they're the original people and then they got these two guys it was like well this is fucking inspired like crazy yeah because one like Billy Crystal is such a historian of um, of jazz and music and uh, and baseball and, and baseball for sure, uh, and just and he knows and loves tap because Gregory Hines is like one Amazing. of the best. Have you ever seen White Nights, dude? Uh, Have you? I, I I love I love White Nights is astonishingly yeah. great. Yeah, <laughs> with Gregory Hines as a tap player who gets involved in spy shenanigans. shenanigans. Yeah. so uh, I love Gregory Gregory yeah. Hines. He's, he was the best. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so seeing these two together at such an early age for both of them, and we we were also looking at the ages that they were uh, when they were making this movie, <laughs> and Eric and I were like, "Man, 
that we we are too fat because uh, <laughs> like they were both our age when yeah. we this movie. It's like God damn it, um, but it's so delightfully fun. And this is one of the only movies uh, I will say uh, transparently that I did watch the behind the scenes shit. Oh wow, and it is fucking hysterical well when you get two guys like that that are just genuinely gifted and funny oh yeah like i mean gregory hines not his first job was not being a comedian but he proved that he was really funny as shit yeah and they have such great natural chemistry yeah they're like you'd watch anything that they're gonna do together and there's only like it's all archival stuff here you know there's this whole like behind the scenes blooper shit that they do uh billy crystal outtakes where you got to watch it because he does a lot of uh, 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 fucking um, uh, Sammy Davis, which yeah, is great because he's he always known for that. And uh, and he's like, "Hey, man!" Uh, I was like, "What are we got about to do here?" And uh, it like it's so fucking. I'm doing like Robbie Downey Jr. doing Sammy Davis. It's um, close enough, but uh, it's it's wonderful. It's so fun to watch. Yeah, uh, highly recommended. <laughs> Another one that Kino Lorber put out, and I've been waiting for this one. I mean, oh, literally, yeah. this has been on my wish list forever for like, man, when is someone going to put Running Scared out again? Because like, I need to own a copy of this movie. It's so. And you're giving uh, this to me. Uh, no, right? I am definitely not giving <sighs> that to you. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Okay, yeah. You can have Day of the Locust. No, you can't have that either. Fine uh, with that. It's made in <laughs> Austria. But yeah, Running Scared, highly recommended. Our Great. last movie this week is a 4K re-release, which is some like little movie of uh, Love Actually, which, okay, so full confession, I do like a good romantic comedy, but I'm not somebody who chooses, who seeks them out actively. Sure. I'll wait. If somebody's like, oh, this one's really good. Okay, I'll go watch it. Because if I, I will get charmed and teary-eyed and everything from a really solid romantic comedy. Speaking yeah. of Billy Crystal, I th- still think one of the best ones ever made is When Harry Met Sally. Right. Just so fucking fantastic. I was actually trying, when we were coming up with new drinks for the theater, I was trying to get them to call one of the drinks what she's having. Oh, <laughs> nice re- reference to that. You know, so it's orgasmic. Uh, Come, yeah. <laughs> no, that's the re- response to what she. She's that is having. the aftermath. But one of the all timers for romantic comedies is Richard Curtis, a British screenwriter and director who did Four Weddings and a Funeral, Notting Hill, Bridget Jones' Diary, About Time. He's one of the guys. Like, if he's making a movie, I'm gonna go see it. Like he's yeah. uh, and we mentioned earlier the boat that rocked, uh, right? Which is he called did that too. Called here pirate radio, I believe. Yes, uh, but really, even though not a romantic comedy, completely funny as hell and charming. Yeah, um, he's one of those guys. If he's did something in this in this genre, you're gonna want to check it out. And love actually is probably his most Bollywood one, mm-hmm. but also the most controversial in some ways because it didn't age terribly well in some ways. And at least in terms of the modern era of looking at human relationships and what's appropriate and what's not, like there's a whole story with uh, Andrew Lincoln from uh, uh, The Walking Dead yeah. playing a character who's in love with his best friend's new wife, played by Kira Knightley. And I, it's funny, I was ready to hate that rewatching it. I was like, I don't really have a problem with this, actually. You know, uh, the, the, I, I've i seen this multiple times, and um, I think I... I like his other films that he's written more than this one. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah, and I, mean, uh, I, I think all those others are better films than this yeah, one. Yeah, and they're... I, but I think because of the pedigree and everyone who's behind this, and for how stupidly charming it is, it's stupidly charming. It's stupid. Uh, like you can't 
turn it <clears> off. <throat> no, it's like it's, it's going to suck you in because every time you're like pissed off about something or, or annoyed, yeah, it yeah. does something so funny or charming. You're like, okay. And, and, and also heartfelt and, and sad at the same time. And it earns it. And we're just like, oh, fuck you, movie. It, it has the two stories that are just solid, good as fuck. Like yeah. the, 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 the Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson story. And then the. Um, oh, really? Is that the one you picked? Oh, I love that story. Uh, I also love. I I'm I, like Hugh, the Hugh Grant as the Prime Minister story. It's cute. Is, it's is, the, is my favorite, and then my second favorite is um, uh, oh my god, uh, uh, the, the older guy, uh, Bill um, Knight. Oh, Bill Knight. Yeah, 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 yeah. washed up rock star. I'm just yeah. like, I love that. But there is one story that has never worked, even when it came out originally, and that's the one with the guy who's like a british guy that all his friends make fun of because he can't get laid and he goes to america well yeah and like instantly like meets supermodels who are like oh we love well, you he, and there's he no meets point. january jones alicia cuthbert and then uh uh two like denise richards yeah. and someone else yeah uh, but they're all like let's all have a three-way together and fall in love and i'm like this is dumb and just like weird kind of gross wish for film well like male wish it's for film also just like you think americans are that easy we are and uh <laughs> well, when you it are well, well when it comes to an accent it that's difficult i mean i get it i've seen it happen and they see us All and right. they know how to attack so, us so i knew this guy here i was friends with for a while we used to work with and his he had like worked really hard on faking a british accent because he was like i saw love actually and i'm gonna make that work for me oh and, this is haunting and he totally it worked he got really good at it and he was like picking up chicks left and right oh my using God. it and telling fake stories about England. Oh no. And then the poor motherfucker fell in love. <laughs> yeah. Guess what? It didn't work out. <laughs> love. Actually. Actually. <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah. He fell in love and he's like, what am I going to do? She's, I'm going to have to tell her at some point. I'm not actually British. I love and I'm like, like, what am I going to do? I'm this like, is crazy. Cause ever, I can't fucking do the British accent all the I, goddamn I, time. I, the term hoisted on your own petard because that's what you are right now you're being hoisted on your own petard wow yeah. that is, isn't that's a that's a fucking thing from uh from tv show where uh they they started off with a british accent and then they're just like slowly trying to get back into an american accent or something like that with the person they're uh either you know intimately with or a friend or something like that or a job or something like that yeah. and like wait we're are, aren't you british like what are you talking about <laughs> um yeah, it, yeah you know if you haven't seen love actually then I, okay I mean, it's well worth seeing yeah i think that yeah, i can understand if you're like I'm not gonna watch that dumb movie that girls like or whatever. Like, I, I, that's a dumb attitude, but that's a dumb attitude to begin yeah. with. But there's a reason this film gets re-released recently, regularly and that people talk about it still. It's because, called money. Well, I mean, it's genuinely an entertaining <laughs> film. It with is. A it huge is. Huge cast of really great, talented actors in it and a uh, great score. Um, it's a solid film that is still one of the weakest from this really kind of genius of the genre, Richard Curtis. I love Four Weddings. Uh, Four Weddings is amazing. I love that. Movie. You know what? The one holdout for me for the longest time was Notting Hill. I was just like, uh, I'm not Notting really Hill's a big Julia, Julia Roberts fan. And I finally watched it. I was like, wow, that was great. It's great. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hugh Grant in anything is kind of awesome. 
Hugh Grant has turned into like one of my favorite British actors. Like I'm like he he's had such this, a good character he had this actor super now. Rich at period of like working with Curtis and playing these like romantic like stumbly leads, <laughs> which my favorite is not even one of uh, his, but it's about a boy, uh, mm-hmm. which is amazing. But then now he's got this whole new career going on with just like absurdism almost. Like he plays Wonka, he plays the one Oompa Loompa in it, and he's delightful well him playing like a bad guy i remember when yeah. he turned in uh cloud atlas you were like holy shit you're fucking terrifying yeah and like it's like okay now i get you hugh grant like you're even better than you were before and you get it yeah he learned from his experiences hugh, get it hugh, really okay we're just gonna uh, i'm gonna edit that one hugh. out right here press the edit out button uh, unfortunately, this is not really a terrific upgrade to 4K. It's fine. It doesn't look terrible or anything, but it's not a huge upshot over previous existing. Well, it's Blu-rays. just it's newer and like it was. I mean, it had a lot of actors in it, so it's like, well, might as well shoot it in the best way possible, and it, it's fine. I mean, there's deleted scenes. I, I, I love on the back of the. Wait, hold on one second. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. On the back of this fucking <laughs> this Blu-ray 4K thing, it says. 4X sharper than full HD with HDR for brighter, deeper, more lifelike color. <laughs> uh, sorry, the, the color was in color and yeah, I couldn't so read it very well. Uh, my, my peepers are not that good. Um, getting old, right? Getting old. Uh, but yeah, uh, sure. Uh, like, I don't know. The way that this is, it, it's like advertised or marketed is like, by the way, this is the fucking abyss. And like, okay, calm down, <laughs> the, love, the actually. of romantic comedy. Yeah, it's like, uh, sure. There are people who feel that way about it, man. There really are. And, and like I said, I enjoy it. I never, if there's ever a situation where like, I got to rewatch Love Actually, I'm never like, oh no. I mean, it's charming and fun. Movie it's to it's watch. charming and fun, and you know, you know, you know. Uh, no, the, if, you, if you're gonna get laid because you're gonna watch it, then do it. Yeah, by all means. <laughs> You'll be there, like, fucking, then you're, like, laughing, like, what? I'm like, I just think about that scene love, actually. It was fun. Sure. Uh, there are deleted scenes with the introductions by the director, uh, the music of it with the introduction by him, a bunch of little EPKs, uh, Kelly Clarkson's The Trouble With Love Is music video, Billy Mack Christmas Is All Around music video, audio commentary with Richard Curtis and Hugh Grant, Bill Nighy, and Thomas Sangsty, and then a brand new feature called Making Love Actually, which is about 30 minutes long with the cast and crew and everybody reflecting on this. What's shocking to me, though, is that they put this whole thing together and they didn't include the 2017 film uh, short film Red Nose Day, actually. Which, oh, yeah, it was yeah, like the sequel. Yeah, reunited a dozen characters from it and picked up their storylines 14 years later uh, It was it, that was broadcast in 2017 that Richard Curtis had wrote. Um, really, like, I had never actually seen it. And so I was kind of like, oh, cool, I know this is going to be on this for sure. And it's not here. Why is it not here? I, I'm just kind of baffled by that. Well, th- that's, that's the thing in Britain... Um, um, they do this red nose thing like every year or something like that. It's yeah. like a big uh, charity event. And uh, I remember that when that came out, I was like, oh, that's fucking cool. Britain does cool Christmas shit. Man, man th- okay. Britain does a lot of cool things where they're just like, this is a normal thing. And like, yeah. is it? Well, like also like the, 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 the tradition of Christmas day ghost stories is a big thing there. Yeah. Like, you know, Christmas Carol evolved. It was one of the many products. I mean, that wasn't right. the first thing like that. There were other things like that before. Right. And there's like a long running series on TV where every year they put out a new fucking Christmas ghost story, right. like horror thing. And I'm like, this is awesome. And then of course you get the Dr. Who Christmas special. Well, nice. it, it also Dr. Who at the same time, like <laughs> America doesn't have that thing yeah. where it's just like, yeah, let's get Ray Romano to do this thing again. And it's like, uh, dude, that's what we should do. Is every year we all like 
they all get together and they pick what classic thing they're going to have a reunion like movie or or like television episode of like cheers wouldn't you love to see like a all these years later cheers two hour special oh, sure or something like that but it's christmas theme. yeah and but like, that, we're we're such assholes like hey why not a new night court I mean, I actually hear it's not bad. I hear it's not bad, but the thing is, like, that's what we're doing here. Is we're just like that's got the hot chick from Big Bang Theory. Well, I, I know, but not like, Kaylee Cuoco, the other one, the, the other one. Yeah. But but like the thing is, though, is that like we we don't know how to do that because we 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 end it and they're like that's it, and uh, and then when we try to revive it, like you know, fucking Roseanne. And then people are getting canceled left and right, which rightfully so. Yeah. Um, in that case. But but it's just, I don't think we have a long tradition, ultimately, for the TV shows that we love. Yeah. And because, like, you know, you would think this, like, oh, well, we should be doing this for, because they have, like. I feel like every network should do that at Christmas. That should they, be a they, thing. They that, should, like, well, you should do a Christmas Day thing of reu- reuniting the cast for a new Christmas story of some, one of their beloved shows. I, I think we we try to do it live uh, uh, retellings or uh, uh, remakes of some of the like older like 1960s 70s uh, shows like All in the Family with like Woody Harrelson we do these like live little events for like oh, a stint yeah. and yeah. we're like that's the ticket and then everyone's like ah okay yeah, and no one really not gave the a same shit. Thing, though. It's, well, it's not the same thing but like that was our attempt and we fucking failed and we're dumb because we're Americans and it, Britain got it down right they got it better well because like it feels like because america is only like what 50 years old and uh uh according to trump i I remember when it was first formed (laughs) and so like which is this one case we wouldn't have to lie about my age (laughs) (laughs) but like with (laughs) with with uh england is like oh there's such a rich history all around and they really give a shit about anything they've ever produced. And us was like, ah, fuck it! And uh, Eddie said about visiting America, like in England, you go to England because that's where the history is. You go to America and they're like, this building is over 50 years old. <laughs> right! <laughs> that's, that's the kind of fucking thing is like, I think of when I think of our TV shows in the end, even though I think that we produce probably the best TV shows ever. No, no, I mean, you talk to anyone from England and they'll be like, we watch more American television. Of course. Television. But there, there, there are exceptions. There are great British TV shows. Great but British, British part, TV part shows. Part of it has to do with just the sheer amount. Because we've released no end of crappy television. Right. But like just when you have that many more shows right. being produced. Speaking of crappy television, you should listen on uh, Trash on the Tube, only on one of us.net. Um, but it, I don't think it has the uh, pedigree and the longevity of... Uh, and also like... The history that you can involve with it's 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 not like in America where it's like let's do the retelling of uh, the Native American history of the genocide. <laughs> and this is like oh, it's just like a Christmas Carol. Uh, it's like it, there's nothing. And then Santa Claus. Came. Yeah, because in America, nothing is inherently like quaint. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Well, um, or like or sweet or like there's not a there's not like a. Um, a, a sweet history of America when you really think about a lot of the things where it's like, well, there's like all this like bootstrap stuff and like England is like, oh, Charles Dickens kind of thing. Yeah. And here's like, yeah, well, we... um We got guns. We got guns <laughs> and we 
killed everyone and um <laughs> hey buddy cop movies yeah buddy cop movies that's, but, an, Amer- but, that's an american but, 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 we got jazz and we got buddy cop movies. well here's <laughs> what i think they should do uh we'll wrap this up and we'll pick our pick uh here's what i think america should do uh for a christmas like uh like uh uh like every year okay they should get the cast of the wire and a very special Christmas. A very special <laughs> Christmas Carol of the Wire. Now, granted, all of them are alive still. No, not all of them. Uh, What's his name? Michael K-, K. Williams died. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Rest in peace, Omar. Yeah. Um, but he's the only one. Uh, but if they get all back, oh, I guess. Well, uh, 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 what's his face? Uh, Idris Elba's character died, but whatever. Uh, they can bring back. He could be the Ghost of Christmas Past. And um, there's so many shows, though, that you could like The Office could have a comeback episode. Sure. Uh, totally. Uh, but like uh, you should totally do The Wire. You should, do, you should totally do The It'd Wire. It'd be harder with dramas. Uh, yeah. But but also you should Firefly, do The Wire. Firefly, maybe Firefly. And, I'm and, just saying Firefly. Fi- Firefly, that's good. But <laughs> you also should totally do The Wire. Uh, I don't really see that. I working. know you don't like The Wire that no, much. No, I do maybe. like The Wire that oh, much. I just don't see it working as a Christmas I'm special. I'm just saying get David Simon... To bring them all back, because he would. I just want that. I I understand. I, I love that show. Yeah. Does it have to be a Christmas special though? I why not? I'm just like, what should it be a Valentine's they've Day? Just brought back Justified. I'm like, hey, you know what? Why don't y'all instead of a next season just do a Christmas special? Fucking hey, yeah. do that. That'd be great. Yeah. Like ours is so just like just in your face and just like oh fuck. So um, I wanted to end this because I was thinking about this earlier with the Jackie Chan set. Uh, I I got sent this graphic novel about the hit like a biography of bruce lee which is interesting right bruce lee fascinating guy i didn't realize that he was in fuck tons of movies before he was even like a pubescent mm. he was like his first movie he was an infant <laughs> oh wow yeah he like in hong kong he his father was an actor and a celebrated actor at that and mm. so he kind of brought him into the industry so like growing up he was just in movies all the time and people would try to start fights with him because that's what people do when they think that you think you're cooler than me you know doesn't that uh, have happen to everybody? It, no, because I everyone thought I was cooler, cooler than them, I so they would always want to try to fight. Definitely fight me. Didn't happen with me. Yeah. Uh, but so I mean, regardless, skip over all the part where he trained with the Yip Man and all that stuff but, and turned yeah. into a super badass. But when he was in Hollywood, and his first big break was the Green Hornet in America, oh, yeah. where he played Cato. Which I also didn't realize that there's four episodes of Batman where they cross over with the Green Hornet, and Bruce Lee is in the original '60s Batman. What? Yeah. Well, rather two are Batman episodes, two are Green Hornet episodes, but where Batman appears. In oh the... wow! Yeah, isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah, but he was that. apparently so fast that the cameras at the time could not keep up with I him. I heard about that. Uh, they had to they had to get him to slow down, or sometimes they undercrank the camera or something just to get I heard, it. I heard about the undercrank. Cranking the cameras. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. he's just so insanely fast. And so the story is that multiple people have told the story to the point where, I, you know, I don't, it sounds like like bullshit, but whatever. People say he would do this trick where he'd go like, okay, like put a coin in your hand. Okay. Hold your f- hand open and then close your hand. And then when they open it, it'd be gone or there'd be a totally different coin in their hand. And a, the story was he was so fast, he would snatch it. Before they and they wouldn't even see him doing it. Whoa. That's the story. I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> so that's your pick of the week? No, that's not my pick of the week. What, <laughs> what is your pick of the week, sir? Oh man, because there's so many good choices. There's an week. odd. There's an odd variety. 
Yeah. Of the uh, shit. Like I, I loved almost all of this in one way or another. Yeah. I, my, I guess my, um, oh, man, I, I don't know. Like for like underrated and unfound, I'm leaning towards like Emerald Forest and Tokyo Pop and Jackie Sh- Um, <laughs> and, um, but like, for how much fun I had, you, fucking... Uh, I know, it's running scared. Running scared, but I think overall, for like quality of movie and physical release, Pinocchio. That's fair. Pinocchio seems like a solid choice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's Criterion, so what are you going to do? It's hard to compete with. Anyway. Please keep sending us shit. Yeah. Well, I just got sent McCabe and Mrs. Miller. The Robert oh, Altman film, which I have never seen. never seen either. It's always been held up as one of his very best, and I've always wanted to see it. And also, score by Leonard Cohen, written for the film, which I did not Is know. Is that a John or Wright uh, uh, movie? It's a what? John Golson or Wright Sulik movie. I don't know. We'll have to see how it plays out. Actually, it's going to be a Wright Sulik movie. Cause I only, oh, thank God! Because I only handed you four new ones this time, because it's all I've watched, and that's like he next He teases up. me. He yeah. teases me I with these. Like <laughs> Yeah, but I think Pinocchio. Yeah, is is fucking great. I mean, again, how do I know you're not lying? Because your nose is growing longer and longer. (laughs) Again, I think I got wood. Man, you know, there's sometimes I do this show that I think I do it for you know myself, and I want to watch all these interesting movies. And then sometimes I think I do it for the fans, but you know, I fucking hate the fans. As established early on in this, yes, that's been established. Yes, um, but I do this to try to just tolerate you in the end. Oh, you feel like that's a challenge you have to meet? (laughs) It's a challenge because there's sometimes when you say jokes, and I and I do mean I, I stress like I'm using the term loosely. Yeah, jokes. In the end, I I think that it's all worth it. Yeah, it really is. It is because at least I got to see running scared. 